Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. to the opening drive on a rainy Tuesday morning on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on, on a meh Tuesday. Meh. And the, the rain outside makes it even more meh. Kids, how you doing? Well, it should be sunshine and lollipops, right? I would say that that would not be a bad thing. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Yeah, Cardinals are are hot. I should tell you that it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It is rainy in St. Louis and apparently will be throughout the course of the day. Should we take the the chopper up just to take a look at how the traffic looks? Let's see what's going on. All right, here we go. Let's just uh, get this baby warmed up. All right, uh, east and westbound Olive Street Ro- or Olive Boulevard here in Creve Coeur looking good. Let's uh, move on over to 270, 270 north, south, east, and west. Yes, it does go every single direction, <laughs> and it's looking crystal clear for you as you drive through the rain. It's a slow go for you because it is rainy in St. Louis. A lot of people are y- slowing down more than they really need to, but be safe out there. And uh, let's see if we can uh, take a look. 55, 44. Ah, you know what? There's there's other cars on the road. Let's be careful out there. <laughs> I'm Captain Randy Carricker. I'm 101 ESPN Jet Copter. Thank you for taking up, taking yourself up there in you this, this terrible weather. We greatly appreciate oh, it. It is it's nasty. Getting back, getting back down safely. Yeah, yeah. It's nasty up there. It's, I'll tell you what. It's just, just be careful. It's, uh, you know what? You don't need traffic and weather together. Just be smart. Just be smart out there. Yeah, yeah. There, there you yeah. go. That's great advice. Did you Merge ever by properly? The way. Yeah, all not, that shouldn't be Use that your difficult. blinkers. You don't need hazards mm-hmm. on. No, and you know what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. On a morning, yeah, on a morning like this, <laughs> turn your lights on though. It's not yes. a bad thing to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even Matthew's in on that. And Even Matthew's. Oh, that, that should tell you everything you need to know. The times that people have their wipers on but do not have their lights on. There's literally signs as you get on to 270 both ways that say, if you have your wipers on, you have to have ways. your lights on. Yeah. <laughs> do it. It's very, it's very simple. It makes, me, it makes me so angry. So anyway, yeah, let's just uh, be careful out there. We are... Notoriously bad drivers here in St. Louis. <laughs> oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will not disagree with you there. All right. Uh, we have on today's show, uh, Panger will join us. We've got the final four set for the National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs. Doug Glanville from ESPN uh, is scheduled to join us at 845. We, uh, we talked to Mike Claiborne every Tuesday. Looking forward to that. Last night, the Cardinals won again by a score of 18-1 to 1 over the Milwaukee Brewers. And I mentioned... And I am Sunshine Lollipops. I'm all in here because I'm a Memorial Day guy. You know, you guys know that. But that being said, as awesome as it is right now for the Cardinals, they're still within a game of Colorado and they're in last place in the National League. <laughs> but that's wow. a bad start. But. Wow, that's Eeyore. That's, yeah, that's very that, Eeyore. That's usually Rock's job. <laughs> um, but they're six and a half games back in the division. Yes. So in it comparison looks, yeah. to where they were, 14 days ago? Yeah. Randy, come on. CD, my 
quote-unquote <laughs> prediction of the fait accompli of the world champion Pittsburgh Pirates. I guess it's not I don't think. Up. I don't oh. think so. They, they're, they're, they're kind of doing the thing that they normally do. Yeah, they're doing their thing. Like, they lost 12 out of 13, and then I think they won a couple over the weekend. Uh, yeah, they, they were kind of struggling. The Cardinals are, are not struggling. Last night, early on, Nolan Arenado got things rolling in the very first inning. Swing, fly ball, wallop down the line. Did he keep it fair? He did. A three-run homer. Paul Goldschmidt had an RBI double in the second. It was 4-0 Redbirds, and then it stayed 4-0 until the sixth when the Cardinals went absolutely crazy. One of those big hits was Nolan Gorman. Swing, drive, hammer toward the right field corner. That's down. That'll bounce off the fence. Two-run score. And Goldie will be stopped at third. It's an RBI double for Nolan Gorman. And the Cardinals are pulling away. It's 7-0. The Cardinals are coming. Trolla, trolla. Nolan Arnato with a sack fly. After Jesse Winker's RBI single, Tommy Edmond hit a home run. And then in an absolutely wild eighth inning, Gorman did it again. Swing, fly ball. Deep right field. Gorman has a three-run homer. Unreal. That made it 12-1. to Alec Burleson with an RBI hit. Tommy Edmond with an RBI hit. Cardinals load the bases. And the Brewers bring in Mike Brasso, a position player, to pitch to the slugging Andrew Kisner. Two balls and a strike. Nice set position. Good balance. Swing, fly ball. Deep left. Kistner's hit a grand slam. Poor Chip Carey, man. Valley uh, <laughs> Sports last night. He had, to, he had to have no voice when he got home after that 18-1 to victory. And with all that offense, the highlight of the night was the amazing performance. And we've wondered about the future of Jack Flaherty. But the big right-hander goes seven innings. He allows no runs on three hits. He struck out 10 and walked a couple and threw only 105 pitches in seven innings. That's the highlight of the evening right there. Can I, I think it's... Yeah, I was going to say, can I make a point? Because I know we had so much... Uh, rocks were consternation over the last two weeks. There was a lot of angst, a lot of anger, a lot of vitriol towards uh, Mo and towards Marmol saying they need to be fired and they need to be... And I said one thing. Players need to play better. And it's amazing to me that when your MVP candidate starts to hit, starts to play well, when your ace goes out and performs in the manner in which he did yesterday, you start to win. Because at the end of the day, the people on the field are the ones that make the plays. No one else. You can call a great game. You cannot call a great game. I can call a great play, Randy, and guess what? My players can call, can run the wrong thing, and it can be terrible. Mm-hmm. I can call a terrible play, and my players can make a great play, and then I look like I'm, I'm the guy. And when in actuality, they are the guys. So... Players make plays, you win games. End of story. Yeah. Well, I mean, we also learned the art of pitching last night. <laughs> it was a master it was a master class of I the art it. of pitching. I I mean I couldn't tell. I sometimes I had to squint a little bit. I was like, pitching. Was that Bob Ross or was that Jack Flaherty out there? Because that was Painting? a master class of the art of pitching. Jack Flaherty, I mean, that was that was the first time. The last time he went seven innings or more in the game was May 7th of 2021, which is interesting because it's so close to this time of year again. Mm-hmm. And he just looks so much more confident. 
I think it's fair that we talked about we talk about his velo right now because he had great control and command of his fastball. What I saw was execution, and that was something that we talked about a lot too. It seems like ever since that meeting of the minds, and we talked about this a lot yesterday, Carrie. Ever since that meeting of the minds between Adam Wainwright, Wilson Contreras, and Jack Flaherty, they needed to uh, get on the same page, a reset, and you're seeing it pay off because whatever was going on beforehand, communication was not great. You could tell that they it felt like a lot of the guys weren't on the same page. And now all of that clicking together, especially against the Brewers, it, the timing couldn't be more perfect. Everything went well last night. Only thing, only concern I have when you score 18 runs, save a little yep. bit. Yeah. That's usually my, my only concern. Just save a little bit unless you're going to get uh, 18 more tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just save a little bit. I, I thought that was a great game. Jack pitched, per, performed well. He did what we expect him to do. And your hitters are hitting. And mm-hmm. you're seeing the success come around because of it. Here is Flaherty on that performance last night. It's just a place to start. Go from there and, uh, you know, you kind of see it with all of our all of our starters. Miles has turned it around, you know, whatever however his start was this season. He had a good one yesterday. And you just want to build off that as, as starters. You know, we, we know that we're going to piggyback off each other once somebody put together, you know, a real good one. And he did that yesterday, and I was able to build off that. So, you know, each and every guy is just continuing to get better, and all, you know. Um, and it's just about continuing to, you know, piggyback off each other, which is something we've been able, you know, we're going we're gonna to do. We know we're going to do it, and it's just, uh, you know, one after the other. And it's kind of been with this, this whole team kind of piggybacking off each other. And, oh, by the way, Flaherty did that with Wilson Contreras behind the plate what? last night. What? The <laughs> yeah. DH? Yeah. He caught uh, last they, night? He moved him to catcher. Wow. Yeah. What, what a beautiful – can also can we also talk about, too, that shot that Bally Sports had at the end there whenever they were done, and you had Wilson Contreras and Jack Flaherty hugging in okay. the dugout? That was uh, a beautiful moment. Real or fake? What do you mean, real or real fake? Real or fake? Oh, real. It's totally real? Yeah. You think it was fake? You think it was staged? Could Randy? be staged. Could be staged. <laughs> no. Could be staged. Rock, I thought that we was only a can real have moment. one conspiracy theorist on the show. And and uh, Matthew Rocchio has filled that, that, that corner. Yeah, oh, that he's got that marker market corner. Okay. That's his spot. Okay. You just didn't, I'm sorry, you're, you're saying that after all of this, the Cardinals did something good for the optics? I don't, I'm not buying that. I oh. thought it was a very sweet moment. And then you had the moment, too, with Jack Flair and his mom. Apparently, he didn't know that his mom was there. This is what the reporters were saying afterwards. He told them, uh, he told the reporters that he didn't know that his mom was there. But all of a sudden, around the seventh inning, he heard a voice that was really familiar. And then he realized it was his mom. And then she came over to the dugout and gave him a hug That's afterwards. Awesome. So it's just, it was a great, all the good feelings today, right? Even yeah. though it's jury outside. I mean, that was just such a good moment because I think all of us going into that game yesterday, we were a little worried Mm -hmm. about what that was going to look like with Wilson Contreras back behind the plate after you had such a public kind of outsting and changing of his job. And also it felt like Jack Flaherty was possibly a big part of that. But to see them come together in that way, that was that was a really important and big moment for everybody involved. One other quick note about last night. How good is Nolan Gorman? Really good, which, which is why you got to have the DH playing yeah. catcher so that he can play every day. Yeah, 979 OPS now. <laughs> am, I, am I crazy, or maybe this is just my negative nature, and well, that, that all a, of this success from Nolan yeah. Gorman makes me think a lot about Jordan Walker, considering how quickly we gave up on Gorman's star status as a prospect last year, and then he comes out this year and it's just raking like nobody's business. Yeah, maybe it's a good thing to uh, get guys up to the major leagues and get them some reps. 
No, Randy. <laughs> no. Why would you do that? Why, why, why would you do that? What are you talking about? Why would you bring a superstar phenom player here and let him do his job? Well, it felt what like Nolan. What sense does that make, Randy? I feel like Nolan Gorman, too, had some growing pains a little bit. Yeah. And there was times that I, I feel like I remember people on social media like, what are we doing here? But you work through those growing pains, right? Yeah. Well, that makes usually. sense. Seems to be the way it should work. I think so. By the way, Gorman does lead the National League and runs batted in at the moment with 33. Max Muncy has 32. Sean Murphy has 32. And uh, let's see, Francisco Lindor. So the Cardinal offense lights it up, 18 runs. Hopefully they'll be able to get more done today. The NHL playoffs continued. The Stars eliminate the Kraken. 4-2-2 two, two in the series. The final score last night was 2-1. to one. So it'll be Dallas and Vegas in one NHL semifinal in the West. And in the East, you're going to have the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, and that'll be a, a fun series as uh, they keep rolling. And uh, is the other series done there? Let me just make sure that the other series... Florida uh, Panthers. Yeah, Panthers, yeah, yeah they're, they're done. Yeah. By the way, did you guys see that picture online of... Uh, yeah. Jason Tatum yeah. and Matthew Kachuk and Jim yeah. cool. <laughs> It was cool. Pretty, pretty good. It, it was like cool when that was coming out. Like after both their draft nights had finally mm-hmm. had happened, it's like wow, two top, mm-hmm. you know, like five picks, both you know from the same school. But now it's happening. They're both in the Eastern Conference Finals for their respective sport in the same Amazing. year. That picture just gets cooler every year. Yep, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our bird watch with Brooke, Carey, and Randy on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, it's time for the Bird Watch. Carrie, Brooke, and Randy with you on 101 ESPN. And what are we thinking about with the Cardinals this morning? I'm looking at Jack Flaherty. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jordan Montgomery. Jack Flaherty's start last night gives me the thought to look at Jordan Montgomery and trying to see if he's able to follow up on what Jack did last night. We had Wayno on, and he talks about how competitive the pitchers are and kind of how if one pitcher has a good start, that can be a domino effect into how each pitcher goes up every day. So I want to see if Jordan Montgomery goes out there and competes with the mindset, hey, Jack, you had a hell of a night last night. Now watch me. That, that type of competition, which is good competition amongst each other, is what allows you to have that success. So I want to see if he's able to go out there and do a good job. His last uh, five starts, he's given up 20, 30, 32, 36 hits, 34 hits, which is too many. Mm-hmm. So we want to see uh, less hits given up, obviously, and we want to see a, a – I mean, Jack gave you the blueprint last night of how to how to dominate this Brewers team. He did a great job. So if, Jack, if Jordan can go out there tonight and – do some of the same things, you'll start to see this this starting rotation really looking at one another and, and figuring out, hey, now it's my turn. And Wayno is, is is the next night. Is that correct? Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find out. So that just, it, it will, I believe that that could be the catalyst, what Jack did last mm-hmm. night, to see this starting rotation really have a good week. Oh, there it is. Sorry, it just took a minute for the bird to fly in for a second. But everybody gather around because last night, last night, we got to see some beautiful artwork. And I'm going to go back to pitching as well because we just know how important this was for Jack Flaherty because I think we all saw what was going on early on this season. He has really struggled, but 
I feel like one of the big reasons that they didn't go out and get a starting pitcher was hinging a lot of Jack Flaherty, like hinging a lot on his success this season, a huge comeback season. We talk about 2019, 2021, early 2021, Jack Flaherty, and that was such a dominant performance from him tonight. He is one of the only, or I guess you could say few guys on this starting rotation that actually has swing and miss stuff. And the fact that he was able to do that last night, he had his first double-digit strikeout game since September 20th, 2020, and the 10th of his career. You need Jack Flaherty to be an ace. Whether you want to say that he is an ace or not, you need him to, because I feel like the success of this starting rotation hinges a lot on him being one of your top guys. Mm Mm-hmm. And guys, there's two things that I, I want to throw in here. Number one, this, and maybe we need to get the number going, this is three series in a row where the Cardinals have won the first game of the series. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How about that? Look at that. But the other thing is, who's the best hitter on this team? It's one Nolan Gorman. <laughs> Over the course of the last seven days, Nolan Gorman has had 18 plate appearances. He has three homers, 10 RBIs, and his OPS is 1.968. But... His entire season has been fantastic. He's got a 979 OPS, 10 homers, 33 RBIs. This guy's on pace, guys, for 40 home runs and 120 RBIs through a quarter of a season. He's only played in 37 of the Cardinals games, but Nolan Gorman has turned himself, credit to him because of a great offseason, he's turned himself into not only one of the best hitters on the Cardinals, but... If you are one of the best hitters on the Cardinals with Goldie and Arenado, then by definition, you're one of the best hitters in the league. And right now, Nolan Gorman is one of the best hitters in the league. And those are the sort of impact hitters you need, especially if you are not going to have Jordan Walker here because we anticipated that he would be an impact hitter. You need to have at least three oomph hitters in the middle of your lineup, and he is the third for the Cardinals. And he's just been so dominant as well, and it's timely hitting. We've talked about that a lot with him this season, the timely hitting and just dominant performance. Storm and Gorman, that's the nickname I like going with because it just seems like he strikes at the right moments, Mm -hmm. and he's just doing so well for the Cardinals this season. I don't know if I could say, I guess you could kind of put him under under the category of surprise, maybe, breakout candidate. Yeah, I didn't expect him to do this. And by the way, he turned 23 last week. Oh my gosh. Randy, you know, you and I are pretty intelligent gentlemen. We Mm -hmm. we made a, a, a point earlier this year that eight runs a game would be the number for this team to have success. They have won seven of their last eight. How many runs a game do you think they're averaging? Probably eight. On the dot. Eight. Thank you. So, I mean, if you listen to the opening drive, we give valid information (laughs) and we tell you what is required to win games. Mm -hmm. Eight runs a game for the last eight games, and they, they are... Winning those games, seven of the eight of them. So yeah. uh, it, it's simple math here, Randy. These are the analytics that the analytics people need to listen to. It's it seems pretty cut and dry here, <laughs> and, 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 and a lot more simpler. And that than... might even score. Uh, that that might be a record. Uh, and by the way, I, I mentioned the quarter poll. Let's see, twenty five, thirty five, forty two. So we're yeah, we're just past the quarter poll of the season here, and the Cardinals. Once we get to Memorial Day. They should be in the hunt. We're uh, a couple of weeks from Memorial Day. Actually, I think it's two weeks from yesterday. And the Cardinals, if they can keep this up, and they should, by the way, after this seven games, the next 12 after that should be easy. And if the Cardinals, if you could, to me, if you're within five games of a playoff spot in September, you're in okay shape. Not great, but okay shape. But if you are within five games of a playoff spot on Memorial Day, you have plenty of time. 
We um, had a question yesterday asking would they be what above 500 by the All-Star break? Well, and we, the way things are going, they're, and they're, 15. Only eight, they're, they're eight games under. And, yeah, if if they just pick up a game on 500 a week for the rest of that's two, three, four, five, six, seven, it, all they need to do is go a game over 500 every week, go four and three if they, you have six or – if you have if you have six games, I guess you go what? Yeah, four uh, and two, four and two. Yeah. yeah, have some fours and twos, and yeah. especially with that twelve games coming up. Yeah, I I could see them being at five hundred. That that would probably be what Tony would desire. Is okay. Let's get to five hundred by the All Star break, and then our old uh, Cardinal big picture stat comes into play. Last six years, the Cardinals playing five oh seven ball before the break and five ninety five. After the break, so yeah, I could absolutely see the Cardinals being at 500 at the break. Wouldn't surprise me if they were significantly over 500. That might surprise me, but mm. if they were at 500, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all. You guys, what did you? How would? How did you answer that? I think we both said yeah, didn't we? I think so. I think. Well, I thought the question was it over 500 or like right at 500. So I think it was. I don't know. Either right way. at we both agree though yeah because right now the vibe the vibes are good they and really also are. somebody from the three and four pointed out Newt Bar with four runs last night him at leadoff has been a game changer I agree I mean Lars Newt Bar if you could just build a perfect leadoff hitter I feel like he would be the guy the way that he just kind of sets the table for the lineup is great and that maybe that's just me being biased yeah because I think Ricky Henderson might be if you were going to build the perfect <laughs> oh, okay. leadoff hitter yes just maybe, maybe. Hey, maybe. look I, I'm the president. CEO of the Lars Newbar fan club. I gotta advocate yeah, this is the last for him. Ten years we're yeah. going off of. Okay. <laughs> we're, as of right now, we 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 like what we see from Lars. Absolutely, right? no doubt about it. By the way, I mentioned the schedule after the Cards play the Brewers and Dodgers. Now, if you go three and three in these last six home games against the Brewers and Dodgers, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with going. Heck, if if you go over 500. In those games against the Dodgers and, and Brewers, I'm a happy camper. Because I anticipated, I, and anything could happen. The Cardinals just won the first one. But I anticipated that it would probably be like a 2-5. and five, you know. So, But if you can get to 3-4, and 4-3 four, four and three on this homestand, then you've got 4 at Cincinnati, 3 at Cleveland. Then you get the Royals in town at the end of uh, May. By the way, then after that, it's kind of weird. You have... And I don't recall seeing this ever in Major League Baseball. The Cardinals have back-to-back days off at the end of this month. You guys ever see that? A baseball mm. team with back-to-back days off? Good for awesome. them. Yeah. they have. Uh, so if, if you go, go to the end of this month, the uh, last day of this month, the 31st, a Wednesday, they're off. And then they're off on Thursday, June 1st, before they go to Pittsburgh for three and then the Rangers for three. Yeah, and then the the two games before they play the Cubs in London, obviously, the, those are two days off. But it's weird. It's unprecedented to me to have back-to-back scheduled days off like the Cardinals have on the last day of this month and the first day of June. And we you know, we got to ask them because they have 18 days straight right now of a game. Mm-hmm. Do you think they like backing up two or do you think they'd like nine break nine? I think they'd like nine break nine. I think they would too. But I mean, that's that's insane. Rob Manfred needs to hire me as his director of scheduling. <laughs> there you didn't, go. Didn't, was the NFL who used to just have like two like old, like an old couple like in like the yep, in, like New Jersey. in New Jersey or something, yeah. yeah like you used to draw together. the entire schedule. Yep, we're gonna have Bob Costas on the show on Thursday, but Bob Costas has the idea down. And by the way, he he said that we should do this 15, 20 years ago, 
But he he suggested before there were fifteen teams in each league, having fifteen teams in each league, steal the NFL model, maintain the integrity of your division races with eighteen games in your division. All right, so you got nine at home, nine on the road against everybody in your division, seventy-two games. All right, so if you're going to win a division, you have to beat the teams in your division. Mm-hmm. Six games, home and home, against everybody else in your league. Dodgers, three at home, three on the road. Braves, three at home, three on the road. Ten other teams in each division, 60 games. That gets you up to 132. And then just like the NFL does, six games against a division from the other league. Three home, three on the road. 30 games, 162 total. You've got a completely balanced schedule. The Cardinals play the exact same schedule that the Reds, Cubs, Brewers, and Pirates do. The Braves and Mets and Phillies and Marlins uh, and Nationals all play the exact same schedule. I don't. I don't need to see Mike Trout every single year, and I don't know if if I see him every third year, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And I think that would work perfect for baseball. Why do you need to see every team every year? I, if you see him every third year, that builds up a little bit of anticipation. And I want to actually. I'm more inclined to buy tickets every third year and sell out a game than if I have that opportunity every single year. I see that. I think that's a very interesting approach to the schedule. I, I think it would make sense if everybody in your division is facing the same team, so you can kind of throw all of the little excuses out the mm-hmm. window, too. Is there anything stupider than the Cardinals-Royals rivalry? I, I don't, it doesn't rivalry? even feel yeah. like a rivalry, no, honestly. Is no. it a rivalry? No, it's not. The Just only reason they do it is the there's state. one reason yeah. that baseball does it, It's and the reason they have this ridiculous schedule. There's one reason. It's because of the Mets and the Yankees. And nobody watches. Mm. Nobody. I won't say nobody, but nobody cares. I mean, do people in St. Louis care about the Mets and the Yankees? No. There's one place. It's Park Avenue where they they care about it. It's ridiculous. And that's why Rob Manfred needs to have a an even-keeled, balanced-thinking Midwesterner to put together his schedule. There you go. There you go. That, that's very that, fair. Good point, Randy. Thank you. (laughs) Coming up, what's bigger from last night? The Cardinals getting a gem from Jack Flaherty or that the gem came in Wilson Contreras first start back behind the plate? That's next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber says. St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. As important as anything, we're dealing with humans, and this game has a lot of emotions tied to it. Overall confidence is driven by it. I couldn't agree more that 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 was an important meeting, and uh, we're seeing the benefits of it. That is the Cardinal skipper, Ali Barmal, who 
apparently over the last two weeks has had a metamorphosis and determined <laughs> that this game is played by humans. Kind of a strange concept. Men, in, not machines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, feelings are a part of it now, apparently. And so the Cardinals have uh, Wilson Contreras back behind the plate. And now let's just mess around with Andrew Kisner's mind. Could this this all have been avoided? Yes, easily. I I, I mean, if that was the the decision that you were going to make, did you have you didn't have to make it public? Mm -hmm. I don't think I think you could have gave Wilson Contreras a few days off and just said, oh, we're working on a few things here and there. But we're the the. The complete 180 to say he's not going to catch for the foreseeable future and he's going to just DH. Oh, he's going to be in the outfield. Oh, nope, he's not going to be in the outfield. Oh, yep. All right, we're back to him catching again. It's been a strange... Guys. What do yeah. you got there? Yeah, I just think that what <laughs> a, a text you guys got yesterday was at the essence of all of this. Which text was that? The text was the person signing the checks. Because I tweeted oh, on the yeah. day it happened. How do yeah. you explain this to an owner? It, the person signing the checks had to come to the baseball group and say, look, you asked me to sign this guy for $87.5 million over five years to catch, yeah. not to DH, to yeah. catch. I have to believe that at some level there was push from the money people that said, or money person that said, hey, come on now. Let's not mess around here. And got Wilson back behind the plate. I just I, I agree to Carrie's point of I feel like it could have been avoided though because mm-hmm. we even had Jesse Rogers of ESPN on yesterday and he talked about of course in media we love transparency but that was that was so transparent <laughs> to the point where it seemed like there wasn't like an actual game plan of how they were going to move forward as a group and what Wilson Contreras' role was going to be what he exactly did wrong you know you heard kind of these words of like nuances and things like that and then all of a sudden in a week he's learned these nuances but then Contreras tells the post-dispatch well you know there wasn't much that was actually changed and so then you're going into tomorrow like what in the world are we about to see here Mm -hmm. (laughs) and either way it always feels like a very big start for Jack Flaherty but even more so yesterday because you needed to get this narrative out of the way right that there was something going on between him and Wilson Contreras and this is what caused that move with Wilson Contreras there's something between these two Wayno had to sit on a couch with them and have Mm -hmm. everybody hatch this out for a little kumbaya session so that was what made Made it feel even more important for Wilson in that role, Jack Flaherty pitching, and the Cardinals to just move forward from that really bad narrative of how this was all handled. Guys, I've had situations in radio where I've had a host removed and replaced by a different host and had a little woe is me. Mm-hmm. And it was it was almost like, okay, I'm not going to... And it wasn't conscious, but I, I just wasn't myself. Right. But sometimes you need a jolt. And maybe the Cardinal starters had a little post-Yachty blues mm. and mm-hmm. needed a jolt. And maybe Wilson Contreras wound up being victimized by the jolt that they needed. It's, okay, fine. If you have post-Yachty blues, and let's put another guy that you know better in there at the expense of Wilson Contreras and his feelings. But... If it if it's not on him, you better prove it, right? And then all of a sudden, they're the same. And it wasn't all about Wilson Contreras. It was about their pitching. It, it always was, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was never the ball is leaving your hand. You have control over what pitch you want to throw and where you want to locate. And my question, Carrie, is were they admitting it to themselves? They couldn't have been. I mean, I think even I think Jesse Rogers said yesterday that 
that um, Jack Flaherty was kind of the catalyst for this whole uh, Wilson Contreras going to DH move. And, and to have him starting yesterday with, with Wilson as his catcher, I think was the right move and the right thing to go, the right way to go about it. It just it just felt strange that they made that decision and, and kind of they were in the midst of stinking. And that mm-hmm. was the one thing that they pointed to as, oh, this is the reason. No, it's a... There's a there's a number of reasons why you're not performing well. One being your pitchers aren't hitting their location, and I'm sure there we had BT on yesterday saying that that, that also Wilson could have been better with maybe his pitch his location of of where he's holding his glove and things of that nature. But all in all, they all had to come to the table and say, "I have to be better. Mm-hmm. I can't point my finger at someone else. I have to be the best mm-hmm. player for for this team to have success." And I think they finally did that. They they're starting to show that here in the last couple of weeks. It sounds simple, but communication helps out a lot. So you it helps had, out all relationships, huh? It helps out a lot of relationships. <laughs> so you even have that situation where Adam Wainwright returns. He has kind of that conversation that was led by Ollie Marmol. I think that that's what Wayno said, that Ollie wanted him to have that conversation with Jack Flaherty, Wilson Contreras, and um, Wayno was a part of that as well, where it was kind of just a meeting of the minds, coming back together, hatching things out. And then you also had, it was reported last night too, that apparently Paul Goldschmidt in Chicago also had like a kind of pep talk, I guess, to the team. And then that kind of started things as well, because Wilson Contreras talked about the importance of that. And then for Wilson, too, just for him to get back on track and show, he said it was important for him to show the guys that, you know, how much he cares. And for everybody to be on the same page, it just shows you how much. It sounds so simple, mm-hmm. right? Like we're all humans. We're yeah. we're in the day of day and age of social, <laughs> yeah, on social media where we overshare everything. But sometimes something as simple as communication can lead to good results on that on the field. And it felt like that was the missing piece, maybe for this group is getting all on the same page, figuring out the best way to talk to each other. Do you think there was a um, a conversation where? You know, the pitchers are complaining about Wilson and and Ali say, okay, you know what, forget it. You guys, Kisner, you start. I think that's exactly what happened. Let's see if let's yep. see if, if Wilson is really the problem. Let let's see if this is what's causing and as you said, we kinda had some of the same issues, some of the same problems, and then you're saying, Well, okay, it's not Wilson, it's us that need to be better. And again, collectively when you are able to look at yourself and say, what can I do better to help this team? Generally, the team is going to be better. And by the way, Brooke, you mentioned that Paul Goldschmidt meeting in Chicago last week, and we were able to get our 101 ESPN microphones into the Cardinal Clubhouse. This was a players-only meeting, and we were able to get our uh, 101 ESPN microphones in there, and the Cardinals don't even know that we were able to get the tape of Goldie talking to his teammates. This is early on, uh, actually, in Chicago last week, early on in, in that series. All right, you guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday, and if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. And Goldie was 100% right. 100% right. See, that's a, leadership right there. Sounds a little gruff. Older gentleman. I didn't know. No, no, no Goldie sounded, sounded it's, it's allergies, CD. Oh, allergies. Yeah, you know, they are, they're bothering me as well, so I, I can understand that. Yeah, I feel like sometimes, too, when the quietest guy, and look, we're not in the clubhouse, except for that one moment, I guess I should say. Uh-huh. Sometimes right. we get our mics in at the right moment. Yeah. Um, but it feels like it, the perception with Paul Goldschmidt it, it, is that he's very quiet and 
lead more by example, by actions. And I feel like somebody like that steps up and addresses the room. Everybody's going to pay attention. Right. He talks. People listen, right? Yes. One other note. Uh, do you guys think, Ali, can you go back to that cut, Matthew, that first one that we played coming out of the break? Where I just want to hear the first part of this again. As important as anything, we're dealing with humans. Okay, stop right there. Is that philosophical differences right there? Front oh. office and Ollie? Uh-oh. Oh, man. Because numbers <laughs> clearly mean more to some people, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we shall see. Yep. Do you, they need a, are you saying they need a human consultant? Or I, and not just them. Yeah. I feel like sometimes I like that. when things come out in the public, you're like, did you have did you run this by anybody <laughs> no. that might be like, this no. is not gonna go well? And, I don't know. <laughs> what would a human do in this moment? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know. This might not go so well. Who knows? Coming up, get your text into the air comfort service text. Next line, 314. Hey, by the way, you, you guys are right, and it, it's not going away. It's here. Now that somebody mentioned that it might go, that they would like it to go away, it's here forever. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! Yeah, YOHO is here to stay. Take it or leave it is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? You can take it if you don't. Set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Forward to Julie, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. All right, kids, Dateline Indianapolis, rookie orientation for the Indianapolis Colts and multiple rookies trash a hotel room. Who stays behind to get it all cleaned up and spiffy again? One, Anthony Richardson. Take it or leave it, he's already the leader of the Colts. Just take by it. cleaning up a room. Yeah. I'll take it. That's a good um, thing. Yeah, if you uh, if you want to be a leader of a team and you want to be good teams, make sure they take care of small things and don't small things don't become b- big things. According to Troy Vincent, the executive vice president of football operations for the NFL, Richardson was cleaning tables on his own. And when Vincent told the Florida Gators product that it wasn't necessary, Richardson said, "We left this room in an unacceptable condition, and it's not right for us to expect the staff to clean it all up." Hmm. Pretty I cool. Like that. I do too. That's very, very, very intelligent of him. Very respectful. Respectful of him as well. Uh, so, I, I, I'm sure you saw this, Randy. The 76ers took a, they got throttled over the weekend, 112 to 88. Um, take it or leave it. We are officially done trusting the process. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. I'm kind of surprised that they're not officially done trusting Doc Rivers. I, I don't know, man. I, I like Doc. How's Doc? I, I love Doc. But how's Doc gonna have a job in Bootenholzer and Monty Williams aren't? If you're oh, that ain't I mean he I don't know. Doc has such a bad record in game sevens. Yeah. I mean, you always like to be in a game seven. But Monty Williams was an assistant there under Brown, under Brent Brown. So is Brent Brown or Brett Brown? Brett Brown. Brett Brett Brown. Uh if if I'm Philly, I at least have to be exploring that. The the Monty Williams thing. But uh, yeah, the well, process a, is over. There's a, a report that he doesn't get along well with players that aren't the stars. 
uh, Monty Williams. That's why Jay Crowder <laughs> didn't want to play for him, and that's why he didn't. They, they were listening to it this morning. Oh. DeAndre Ayton signed his deal. He wasn't there. Yeah. He didn't congratulate him. Didn't send him a message. So that's interesting. If you're not Chris Paul or you know and, uh, Devin Booker, and there was a report that KD. the reason Durant went there is to play for yeah. Monty Williams, and they they're saying some of the guys don't really interesting. deal with him like that. So. All right, take it or leave it. Did you guys see kind of the controversy last night with Aaron Judge? So if you didn't, it's a very interesting video. The Blue Jays broadcast was insinuating, and they kept showing this clip over and over again of Aaron Judge kind of glancing towards the dugout um, during his at-bat. Take it or leave it. I don't think that he was cheating in that situation. So he was asked about it afterwards. I thought that he had like a very quick response with it. He said, you know, they were up like six nothing. The dugout was kind of like chirping at some of the umps and he didn't understand why. And so he was looking over at that. It's just to me, I would have to go back and look at like all the times that he's been up and kind of analyze that. But I I don't know. I think that just glancing over, I would need more proof, especially with someone like Aaron Judge. Yeah, I don't. In this day and age, with all of the the things that have been done to prevent cheating mm-hmm. because of Houston, I can't imagine that there would be a scenario in which you could read what was coming under any circumstances. Yeah, he he glanced over into his dugout and eyes back on the yeah. pitcher, and then he it was home quick. Run. It was yeah. very quick. Yeah, yeah so. but they just kept slowing. It was like they kept slowing it down and just mm-hmm. like kept replaying it over and over yeah. and over again. We so. have pitch come. So if shame on if, if you're Toronto and they're allowed, able to get your pitches, shame on you. You know, let's call your own pitches. Pitchers. <laughs> Matthew, what do you got on the old text line? Take it or leave it. The cards will point in November to the Wayno Couch conversation as the catalyst that led them to the World Series. Also, after they pick up an ace pitcher at the deadline. <laughs> take it. Yeah, I'll take it. There was a lot of layers to that one, huh? Mm-hmm. There is. <laughs> so you're taking all that? If that's the exact scenario, I'm going to point to getting the ace pitcher at the deadline, personally. I'm going with the couch. <laughs> take it or leave it. Cards are going 76 and 44 the rest of the season to get to Randy Carriker's 93 win prediction. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, sure, Leave I'll it. take it. <laughs> Leave it. Big a picture. lot of wins. Okay, not, not, guys, not, 595 ball after the break. This one's a little bit more well, 76 uh, 44, okay. gray, and, and I like this better. Take take it or leave it. The Cardinals will have one of the best records in the second half if Arenado can stay healthy and continue to rake like this. Take it. I'll take it. I'll take it as well. Here, let's just review, shall we? Because I kept the piece of paper. That's the only reason we're reviewing. Last year, after the break, 43 and 25. 21, after the break, 46 and 26. 2019, after the break, 47 and 27. 18, after the break, 40 and 28. So, yeah, they've been pretty good after the break lately. Take it or leave it. The Stanley Cup returns to St. Louis with a Kachuk brother. Oh, yeah, I'll take it. Oh. Oh. Yeah, Matthew will have a day here. (laughs) Yeah, he'll he'll bring it. What about Brady? He'll bring it to Chaminade. (laughs) Do you think he would bring it to Chaminade? Yeah, probably. Oh. How long do they, they get it one day? Yeah. Or is it a week? Yeah, they get, they get it for one day. Oh, man. I wish we got, I mean, wish we would have done something. The like Lombardi that. Trophy. Yeah. I think yeah, that's the coolest great. thing ever I about the Stanley Cup. It, yeah. I, I, I wish that one day, I know that they won't because that's kind of the purpose, is like release a book of all of, well, maybe not all of the, <laughs> the things that have happened. Maybe just some interesting stories that are PG rated. Didn't you get in trouble? 
Well, yeah, people wanted to kill me because I kissed the cup before we won it. Before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it wound up on social media. They, were, they wanted to harm you. If the Blues would not have won the Stanley Cup, I would not be here today. I would be ashes. And you know what? They, I don't she know where they would. They would have thrown my ashes on like a, a landfill. They, uh, they, that's they, how mad they were. They would have been really mad. Yeah. By the way, did you guys see the uh, E60 report, uh, the piece on um, Ryan O'Reilly's mom giving her kidney away to a, yeah, a facility manager in yeah. up in Ontario? Pretty awesome. What they a family. are literally the best family ever. They are. <laughs> like, they really are. His dad is like Sweetheart. really, really, his dad would like come and hang out at practices sometimes too. And he was so nice because he also coaches athletes. They do so much to help young athletes and also help grow the game too. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, Randy, how, was there a little extra added nervousness during Game 7 for you? Of the Blues? Yeah. Uh, Were you thinking about that at all? Oh, no, not that. Okay. No. Uh, once it was 2-1, to one, I thought it was over. The way Binner oh, performed funny. in the first period, and then Oof. once uh, or once Petro scored 2 nothing after the first period, it was game was over. You were there. Did it feel over? Yeah. I would say so. I, I'm trying to remember because they sent us down to like the bottom area kind of early. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have a TV down there oh. for a little bit. But yeah, it felt like over yeah. pretty early. Binner won that game in the first period. Yeah. That, it was demoralizing for them not yeah. to get anything past him there. That, Poor the Brad Marsh and skating off early. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill or Carlson are gone by the All Star break. Leave it. You said or? Yeah. By the break, though, not the deadline. By the All-Star break. Mm. Carlson and who? When is the deadline? Carlson or O'Neal. July 31st. Late July. And the All-Star game is July, early July. Yeah, about the 13th, 14th, something like that. Nothing against O'Neal, but you would have to, like, do more, right? Like, I I think his trade value is gone down. You think by the deadline, though? No, I don't think they... uh, Unless somebody values those players. First of all, I don't think they can trade Dylan Carlson. Yes. Because he's their center fielder. Correct. So, so now O'Neal. we're talking about O'Neill, and like Brooks says, what's O'Neill's market value? Not great at the moment. Now, if you just want to get rid of him because there's a human interaction that is not going well between he and a member of the staff, then that's something other, something different. But we're wondering if Carlson's hurt, who the Cardinals bring up, are they going to bring up Jordan Walker? I don't think there's so. There's only one guy to bring up, and you don't want that, Brooke. I do. I you like do Tomater. <laughs> I like yeah. Tomater. What about Moises Gomez? That's what I said. I don't know if he's having a great year. Um, what is Taylor Motter doing this year? Oh, well, oh gosh, yeah. darn it. <laughs> you, just, you made me walk right into it, Randy. I don't want to. I like Tomater, okay? You do that. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, you Moises. danced. When, when they DFA'd him, you literally danced. <laughs> there's no witnesses to that. There's no, there's no uh, proof. There's no proof. <laughs> Moises is struggling a little bit right now. He has uh, 37 hits and 40 strikeouts and just five home runs. Okay. So not great. No. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, our fresh take, Jack Flaherty cruising last night. Hmm, his old <gasps> Irish on top of his game again. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There's the swing and a miss. Perfect pitch. Breaking ball. Got it. Pull the string. Beauty. Two strikeouts. 
Swing and a miss. Blew him away. Swing and a miss. That's three straight strikeout. And that one is cut on and missed. Anderson is strikeout victim number 10. That's our buddy Chip Carey of Valley Sports with the call last night. Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals, seven innings. He struck out 10, walked only two, didn't allow a run. He did allow three hits. And as important as anything, Brooke and Carey, he only threw 105 pitches in seven innings. He was as efficient as he has been all year long. And hopefully this is a watershed moment for Jack Flaherty. And hopefully he turns back into the pitcher that he was in April and May of 2021 when he was the best pitcher in the National League before he suffered the oblique strain on Memorial Day at Dodger Stadium. But he was rolling then. And last night, he pitched the way he did leading up to that injury. Maybe he's rediscovered it. Uh, We talked last week and he talked about his velocity and how it was part of the art of pitching. But last night he was at 94 in his last inning of work in the seventh inning. He wasn't that way in Chicago last week. Yeah, maybe there was some some conversation and and maybe he figured some things out. I don't know what took place from the last start, from the last couple of starts to this one, uh, other than just being more dominant and, and going after hitters and not walking anybody, I think was one of the key factors because we've seen He's had multiple games with with a lot of walks, and you get your strikeups out, you get your walks down. Pitch per- performed extremely well last night. Just the the Jack Flaherty that we have been looking for, been waiting for. I was glad to see him go back out for the seventh inning and and get to that 105 pitches, and you know not give up anything. That's what we need from our ace of this staff, and he gave it to us last night. Well, and it, Ricky Horton said yesterday, uh, right after the game, he said, it's amazing what happens when you let your pitchers toss for seven innings. And mm. it, it it worked out well. You kind of had to keep him in that mm-hmm. game, right? And he was just so dominant, as you mentioned, Kerry. And you need him to be your ace. That's why they didn't go out and get another starting pitcher. They were really looking to Jack Flaherty to return to form. He wasn't injured going into the season. We know that injuries have hindered him, especially the past couple of years. He's healthy. He's ready to go and so this is a huge year for him in many ways a comeback you need a huge comeback for him but also it's a contract year right for it's him his future with the Cardinals what he's going to do moving forward and he just looked so much more comfortable out there and I don't know if it was just a mental thing and when we go back to that communication topic of everybody getting on the same page everything was aired out so you didn't have that clouding in your head of like well why doesn't you know this person understand that this is what I want you know what I mean Mm -hmm. getting that thought out of your head clears your mind so that you can just focus on pitching. And maybe there was some conversation. Something changed, right? In in pitch location, in uh, the choice of the pitches, the the setup, how they wanted to go about, you know, at bats and, and how they wanted to attack hitters. It, it's just interesting that we had to go through all of that to get this result. Mm-hmm. Whatever it took, I'm glad we got here, but um, you know, I just want to see them continue that. I want to see him continue that. I thought it was I thought it was perfect that Wilson Contreras was behind the plate for his best game of this season. We saw and heard Jack Flaherty's demeanor last week when he sparred with Derek Gould and Jim Hayes after his last start. And Ollie Marmol was asked last night about the demeanor of Flaherty in Chicago as opposed to last night's Flaherty. Well, he always shows up pretty competitive. Um, that first inning ran into some traffic and was able to pitch out of it. And... Uh, you can see it just a quiet confidence um, after that. It was just even keel throughout that entire game in control. But uh, there was something about it that you knew they weren't scoring today. 
And that's what you need from a number one. I, I always go back, guys, to Chris Carpenter getting on the bus after game four here in St. Louis against Philadelphia in 2011. And he said he was talking to Nick Punto and Gerald Laird. And he said to the guys, hey, just give me a run tomorrow and we'll be good. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out and throws a shutout. And that's what you need is that guy that comes to the ballpark and says, okay, team, you can hop on my shoulders. I got you guys. So let's look at this realistically. If Jack Flaherty is the ace, which we have been wanting him to be, Mm -hmm. that would mean Jordan Montgomery is your number two. Mm -hmm. And he's been one of the better pitchers for this team, if not the best pitcher for this team all season long. Miles Michaelis is your three. Wayno is probably your four. And, And if you're in, if you got those four guys, you feel pretty comfortable and confident right now in comparison to how you felt a month ago? Yes, I do. If if, if, if they are if, performing in the manner in which Jack Flaherty performed last night. If you have a number one, number one, everything falls in place behind that guy. Yeah. And yes, I, I would feel really... Going into a playoff with those four... Yeah, I'd feel really good. Now, if I have to use a fifth starter, maybe not so much, but that's right now. Are we looking at Steven Matz and uh, trying to figure something out just yet? Trying to figure something out, yeah. I think that that's what we needed to see from Jack Flaherty last night, right? Because we hadn't seen such a dominant performance from him like that in a while. I mean, as we talked about, that was it's the first time since May 7th of 2021 that he's went seven or more mm-hmm. innings, and it, he looked like the Jack Flaherty of early 2021. We needed to see that this season, right? Yeah. And so you hope that this is going to be kind of the catalyst where this team moves forward, and that goes for the starting pitching as well, because even outside of the Wilson Contreras controversy, we knew that starting pitching was going to be a concern going into the season because you didn't go out and sign a big arm, and and honestly, the numbers haven't been great for the starting rotation going into all of this. I mean, it was like a 5.32 ERA. What was it? I think like that. Yeah, something like something that like for the starting rotation going into yesterday. So to have Jack Flaherty perform in the way that we haven't seen him in, it feels like, years, really. I think that that's a good sign because winning and performing that way is contagious. And you hope it will continue to move forward in that way. That was actually the Jack Flaherty that... When Nolan Arenado came here, he expected to see the whole time. Here's Arenado last night on Flaherty's performance. Number three or two, whatever you want. Okay, we forgot about that one. That was one of the best outings I've ever seen him have, and uh, um, he just seemed to control the game after that first inning. Um, He just seemed to calm down. Him and uh, Wilson did a great job. Wilson did a great job also, and he deserves credit. You know, I feel like he, he's not, he hasn't been given the credit he deserved, but he did a good job back there also. But uh, Jack just executed his pitches. Um, he looked just real comfortable out there, throwing anything in any count, and uh, uh, just looked like an ace right there. He looks looked like, like an ace. ace. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that comment right there tells you all you need to know. And we can go back to earlier this season when Jack had the he had the no-hitter, right? But he had mm-hmm. eight walks. Was that how right. many walks yeah. he had? First start. The first start of the season, it was a good it was a good outing, but he was too trying to be too perfect and trying to get guys out with, with pitches out of the strike zone and not attacking hitters. Last night you saw a different Jack Flaherty. You saw a guy that had all the confidence in the world, has all of the ability in the world, and went out and showed it last night. And so that's what you expect. And I like that that Nolan said, you know, shout out to Wilson Contreras for, for yeah. being there and being the, the, the battery with him because that's an important part of this whole story. We have been talking about this Wilson Contreras issue and, and is he a DH? Is he a catcher? And this team has been on a roller coaster ride from 
for the last three weeks, for the last month and a half, I think, just been on a road up and down trying to figure out what's going on. And to have Wilson behind the plate, to have Jack pitch his best game of the season, Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado, everyone hitting the ball. Kisner, he got a grand slam. That is what you need from this team, night in and night out. Well, yeah, and kind of talk, uh, talking about that, too, with Kisner, his job has changed a lot during the span of time, too. Mm-hmm. And you like how he has stepped up to the plate, pun intended, there, too, because the way that he was able to come up pitch hitting last night, that was huge for the Cardinals, just showing that everybody seems to be on the same page moving forward. And also, the reporter, some of the reporters revealed last night, too, that it was actually Jack Flaherty that pushed for Contreras to catch for him yesterday. So I think that shows a very big improvement on all sides of communication and also just props to Wilson too for how well he handled himself during all of this as well. I I can't say that many people could have handled this as well as he did during this. No, he was pristine. (laughs) He was fantastic. That is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Darren Pang covering the final four now of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Who's going to come out of these last two conference playoff series. Panger will tell us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker and Several years ago, actually right before Darren Pang came here as a Blues analyst, the Blues hired John Davidson out of the broadcast booth to become their president. Uh, Just last weekend, the Philadelphia Flyers named broadcaster Keith Jones as their president. Darren Pang joins us now, and Panger has a long history in the National Hockey League. He's a sharp hockey mind, as we know, and he joins us now on the Celebrity Line. Panger, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy, and uh, thank you for that. That's a... That's great news for the NHL, having a guy like Keith Jones uh, in that position. Um, for anybody that, that knows Keith Jones, they probably just know him as being on the air, who is rock solid and sound and not full of a, a, you know, a bunch of, uh, uh, how do I say this? He's, he's just a good, honest guy, and when he played the game, he did it the same way. And, and uh, so I'm really happy for him, and a good time for the Philadelphia Flyers to, to make this move and to... Uh, and, and to you know to get things strengthened from their fans and some trust, and then now they've got a lot of hard work to do. I just talked to him last night, and that's exactly what he said. We got a lot of work to do right now, but he's very excited about that. Would you like to run a team? I, you know, and, and it's funny that you say run a team because I don't think that uh, that Keith would think that he's you know running a team, or JD would think that you're running a team. But I think would I like to be in that position? Well, yeah. I mean, I, that's a it's a dream job uh, to be in a position to. Um, to have great people around you, and 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 uh, I, I'm still not sure what a president of hockey operations does. I'll be quite honest with you, uh, but uh, but it sounds awfully good. And uh, he fires um, the GM when things go bad. You know what? The GM does all the, the yeah. The GM does all the work. The GM does all the work. He has to go grind it out. The president of hockey operations makes sure everything's intact. And 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 when the GM doesn't make a good pick, the president goes, "Well, that's not my job." <laughs> Panger, I think one of the greatest uh, traditions in in all of sports, not just hockey, is watching the team's handshake at the end of uh, every series. How did that tradition start, and and have you ever not wanted to shake a guy's hand? (laughs) That's a good question, Kerry. Um, As far as when it started, um, yeah, do I I know exactly? Because I'm not that much of a historian. Um, I do know 
geez, not a not hundred years ago, but many years ago that there was, you know, there'd been many injuries, at, you know, that, that happened. There were serious injuries uh, that took place. They, that resulted in an all-star game for, for the player. And then, uh, you know, I think then, you know, the, the if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, shaking shaking your opponent's hands after a after a win or a loss uh, just beca- became, you know, what you did. And I mean, I mean, I, I was born in 1964. For as long as I can remember, after a, even in minor hockey, after a, after a series that we'd we'd shake the opponent's hand, and uh, we didn't go to center ice and you know put our sticks up. That that you know that was just something that, that's that's happened in, in probably the last 20 years. Uh, but actually shaking their hands, I can't remember when it didn't happen, Kerry. I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's 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 um, it's it's really an honorable thing, and and you you might really hate that person that you're playing against. So you might you really despise, you know, that person or what he's done. Dino Cicerelli. Um, <laughs> right. Well, I remember when I remember when Claude Lemieux did that, and you know, there's been so many more situations where we watch, and as a, as a broadcaster, I've obviously seen way more as a broadcaster. Um, whether I'm up in the booth or between the benches, that we figure out, okay, let's keep our eye on those two players. Let's keep our eye on those two players. Okay, uh, Matthew Kachuk's a real good friend of much, Mitch Marner's, but in, in game five, Matthew punched him in the nose twice at the end of the game, and, you know, bad things were said. Like, how how are they? Let's get, you know, let's see if there's any reaction. So, uh, but all in all, I think, you know, I've been 19... I don't know, I'm going to say 99%, 95% when you shake their hands, they... Uh, you know, they look each other in the eye. They say, "Good series." One says, "Congratulations, go win it," or one says, "You know, go bleep yourself, and I'll see you next year." <laughs> but hey, I remember when Marty Brodeur wouldn't shake the hand of Sean Avery. Remember that? Oh, yeah. um, yep. Sean Avery went in front of the net and turned around, and and it's now the Avery rule. Um, and and uh, then Marty put his hand behind his back, and and afterwards Sean Avery said something about Marty. So, um, so it's it's always uh, it's always great to see. And but you you're right, Kerry, that with how hard you play, with how physical it is, with how nasty it can be, and what's on the line, and how much you care about it, and uh, how much passion you have for it, and how much you want to just cry, or you just want to celebrate with a with a cold a cold beer. You you still you wait, you shake each other's hands, and. And I love that part of our game as well, Kerry. Panger, that was a great game that you were there for. I guess I should say great for Matthew Kachuk and the Panthers. Not so great for Ryan O'Reilly and the Maple Leafs. What do you make of what the Maple Leafs will do moving forward? Because as we know, Ryan O'Reilly will hit free agency. And so will, I think, 10 others. So they've got a lot of UFAs that are on the table there. They they went all in. Um, I remember the year that Columbus did the same thing and went all in and uh, they lost Panarin the next year. They 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 lost a, a great deal of players. Matt Duchesne's in there, and there's way more than that. But you know, you go in, you you make your trades, you you lose your assets. It was the time for the Toronto Maple Leafs to do that. Um, it was almost like there was no tomorrow for the coaches and the managers and maybe even the president, Brendan Shanahan. So who knew what was going to happen if they didn't win the first round? So they won their first round in 19 years, and and uh, they they just. You know, they couldn't get any further. So what's going to happen? I don't know. I think it'll be an anxious summertime for, for a lot of those players. And the most most of all, I think Ryan O'Reilly, for a lot of us that follow Ryan and, and a lot of fans in St. Louis have wondered is, you know, is there a chance that Ryan comes back here? Um, who knows? But I obviously my personal feelings would be that would be unbelievable. He's a glue guy. And even if you're developing younger players um, that aren't quite ready yet to take the mantle, um, 
who better than Ryan O'Reilly to to be there, uh, you know, with those players. So anyway, I'll, we'll see what, what what's going to happen. But uh, but yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs have a lot of a lot of questions that are hanging out there, Brooke, and and I don't know the answers whether they clean house entirely or or whether they give them another chance with this group of uh, what they call the core four. And I think the four meant golfing. Darren Pang with us on 101 ESPN. Okay, in the West, we've got Dallas and Vegas. One of those two two teams will wind up in the Stanley Cup Finals. Who do you think has a better chance? Yeah, great game last night, by the way. Yeah. Um, that, that was on ESPN, and I, I, I thought that was one of the better games. I, I felt like I've been very fortunate in my broadcast that I got a lot of close games, and it, it hasn't happened with all the series. So, tended on a game seven, and to have that tightly contested game was outstanding. So, um, right now, um, the Golden Knights are a team that you just can't can't take for granted. I, I, I think they've got the edge right now, but I think the goaltending is. Uh, is the advantage of the of the Dallas Stars, especially having Jake Ottinger, uh, who I thought was the best goalie in the playoffs anyway, although he hasn't played that way. Um, maybe this is the the game that catapults him to the next level. Winning a game seven on home ice in a tight game, two to one, and being a significant factor in the game, that's uh, that's something that uh, no one can take away from you. And I think the confidence of Jake Ottinger will, will really carry on. But in saying all that, I like the Golden Knights to win that series against the Dallas Stars. Okay, and then what about in the East with the Panthers against the Hurricanes? I'm not betting against the Panthers. That's mm. it. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out on that. Okay, that you know they're, they're the underdogs again. They had the 92 points. Hurricanes had the 113. Uh, Matthew Kachuk and the Panthers will go in the same way. The hottest goalie of the group, the hottest goalie of anybody out there is Sergei Bobrovsky. There's no reason in the world why he's going to turn cold all of a sudden. He's he's on his game. He's as good as I've seen him in a long time, maybe going back to that uh, Columbus four-game sweep of Tampa Bay, and that seemed like 100 years ago. Um, so he's on his game. Even though Carolina's a better team, they play harder, they're faster, they, they've got a great system. Um, I just I believe in the will and uh, and the goaltending of the Florida Panthers. All right, and Panger, one more thing: the the Blues wind up with the tenth pick in the draft. They've got three first rounders later on. This will be coming up in June. What are you hearing as you travel around? Do you think there's going to be not just with the Blues? Do you think that this is going to be one of those year, years? You mentioned the core four in Toronto, and a lot of teams have a, a lot of free agents. Will there be a lot of movement this off season? Yeah, I I think there will be actually. I think I think every year that we think that there's not going to be, there there will be. But the one thing that keeps it back is just is just the the lack of the cap going up. You know, throughout COVID, um, through the you know through uh, you know the players and 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 meeting up with the uh, um, uh, what what the heck they call it, but with, um, the fluctuation in in in, in um, uh, in making money and revenues and in losses through all of that, you know, it's, we've seen it flat on top and that's hurt a lot of teams. Um, and so, you know, you, you basically, I think you're going to have to go out there and, and go a lot of player for player. And so there's a lot of teams that are probably frustrated with their core players or players that just haven't reached another level. And, uh, and so that, that's where you might see those moves uh, players in the first or second or third years of a, you know the next deal, or or maybe just beyond entry level deals, or maybe maybe five years into it. Um, but um, you know, I, I don't think a lot of teams can can take on big money because they don't have enough room. Even even the Blues, I mean, even the 
the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the, the, some of those bigger teams. But but all in all, I do expect moves to be made. People get frustrated. They lose patience. They think that there's they can fix another player, and therefore you end up getting a lot of moves. Panger, what do you have coming up? Are you going to be on the TNT coverage of the Eastern Conference Finals here? You know, I'm not. I, it okay. looks like uh, TNT is going to take on the East, and uh, ESPN will take the West. I will rejoin the group um, in the Stanley Cup Final. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to be getting myself prepared here in St. Louis. Get everything moved over to my little place in Michigan, and then uh, even Brucey. Brucey can't wait to get Love there, it. run around, chase fish that he often is so poor at, um, <laughs> but he thinks he's a good fisherman. And then uh, and then I'll join uh, the team. They the, the broadcast team will be on site, including Wayne Gretzky, uh, for for the final. Um, Gretz will be there for the in in, in studio for the Eastern Conference final uh, in Atlanta. So we're going to see lots of Gretz on the panel, which is going to be great. And then I'll join up with them in the final. By the way, I bet you there's not many high schools that feature a battle of their grads like Carolina with uh, Paul Stastny against the the Panthers with Matthew Kachuk. That's, that's I, pretty amazing. You. Yeah, you're right about that. And even though you know Matthew went on to, to play in the development program and played with Austin Matthews and played then with London uh, Knights of the Ontario League and won a Memorial Cup with uh, Marner. You're right. They're still here. They're they're St. Louis boys. They they spent some time in high school and um, it's nice to see Paul Stastny too. By the way, Randy, he's a uh, he's just an, a real pro. He's a guy that I cheer for to to win a Stanley Cup. And and you know what? He could lift it at the end of the day. That's a really good team over there, even with the injuries that they have. Absolutely, Panger. Have a great day. Thanks so much for the time. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you guys. Take see care. Ya. Yeah. How about that? Shamanad, Carolina, with Paul Stastny against Shamanad. Florida and Matthew Chuck. That's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. And then they've Shamanad's uh, got uh, Jason Tatum going in the NBA too. So they've they've got some things happening. It only could have been things. perfect if he was playing for the Heat. Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> wow, South Florida, no doubt about it. Coming up next, uh, did you guys win the fight yesterday? I hope. Oh, Randy. Oh, yeah, Carrie, he did. Carrie took on the Randy character. He took one option on number four, and he hit the freaking jack. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's my man. That's my man. We need a fighter. Uh, you can text into the Air Comfort Service text line three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine. Yo, just uh, text in with the word fight, and maybe Matthew will. Uh, pick you as the fighter today. By the way, we're going to talk to Doug Glanville of ESPN coming up at 9 o'clock, so we've got our rush hour reset earlier after the fight, but the fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight, and our fighter today is Paul. Paul, how you doing? We're doing good. How about yourself, CD? I think you're doing better than me, because you don't have to take on me today, because I was on fire (laughs) yesterday. Paul, I don't know if you know this, but I hit a jack, so you know, you got Randy Carriker. You you got an opportunity here today. Not a problem. I was hoping to stuff you out, but it's all good. All right, here we go. Who is the only pitcher for the Cardinals to have three-plus wins so far this season? Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, or Drew Verhagen? 
Go Flaherty. There is only one player in Major League Baseball who's homered more than Aaron Judge since his debut in 2016, and he plays in the National League Central. Who is it? Joey Votto, Christian Yelich, or Nolan Arenado? Go Nolan Arenado. Only three running backs in NFL history. There have only been three running backs in NFL history to put up 10 or more consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders, and who else? Thurman Thomas, Eric Dickerson, or Curtis Martin? Dickerson. It has now been 30 years since a Canadian team hoisted the Stanley Cup, but it's only been 28 years since this American team became the only U.S. squad to ever win the CFL's Grey Cup. Is it the Birmingham Barracudas, Shreveport Pirates, or the Baltimore Stallions? Total guest Stallions. All right, we will double-check that score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Shreveport Pirates is a tough thing to say. you got to say that. Shreveport, three, Shreveport Pi- Pirates, Pirates. Pirates. Shreveport Pirates. Shreveport Pirates. That's Shreveport hard to Pir- say. It is. <laughs> it sounded like Brooke had a little accent when she said Shreveport. <laughs> Shreveport. Shreveport. No, I, no, it was literally just hard to say Shreveport <laughs> it Pirates. It is hard to say that repeatedly. <laughs> because it's like you, it stays like in yes. front of your mouth. Do you feel it? Like You know what I'm saying? And so it's hard to... Enunciate that. It's okay. I, I did a few years at TV. I should know. You how did to a do wonderful that. job, Paul. How do you feel? More importantly, so 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 so. All right. Well, Randy oh, Carricker. Hopefully, I did. Hopefully, I did better than last time, where I had to go to the tiebreaker and oh. lost on a technicality. Uh, oh, who was Ooh. it? What was the te- do tell? Was that uh, Rocky's fault? Probably. The- no, no, it, it was my fault. I didn't clarify if it was count. Counting COVID season or not. Oh, okay. Mm. I was going with the COVID season. I got you. Randy, say hello to Paul. Paul, good morning. How are you doing? We're doing good. How about yourself? Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Who is the only pitcher for the Cardinals to have three-plus wins so far this season? Three-plus wins so far this season. Um, It would seem like that would be somebody in the bullpen, right? Um Although Jack getting a win last night should be his third, right? He was, uh, I think I will go with uh, Jack Flaherty. There is only one player in Major League Baseball who has homered more than Aaron Judge since his debut in 2016, and he plays in the National League Central. Who is it? Since the Judge's debut in what year again? 2016. Okay. And he plays in the NL Central. Who is it? Um, well, logic would dictate, since Arenado has led the league in homers twice in that span, that it would be him. Just trying to think if there's a, uh, there's not really a cub right now that fits that mold. Um, Brewers, uh, Yelich had his years, but Yelich was not a good power hitter until he got to Milwaukee. Um... So I think I will go with, uh, probably not Goldie, not a pirate. Um, Reds, no real home. Votto's not a home run here. I guess I'll go with Nolan. Arenado, not Gorman. Thank you for that clarification. You got it. There have only been three running backs in NFL history to put up 10 or more consecutive 1,000-yard rushing seasons. Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders, and who else? Hmm. 
Well, Jim Brown only played nine, I think. So I don't think it's him. Um, hmm. I'll do the lifeline, Kerry. You have Thurman Thomas, Eric Dickerson, or Curtis Morton. Three really good running backs. Um, see, Dickerson got traded, and I think he still might have gotten 1,000 yards in 1987, even though he missed most of the season. Dickerson, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 90. I don't think he was doing it by 91, 92, 93. I think I'm going to go Curtis Martin on this one. It has now been 30 years since a Canadian team hoisted the Stanley Cup, but it's only been 28 years since this American team became the only U.S. squad to ever win the CFL's Grey Cup. (laughs) (laughs) They actually did come to America for a while. Oh. I think it was Baltimore. I don't remember. I'll just say Baltimore as the Jeopardy answer. What is Baltimore? <laughs> Man, another tough one, Randy. You, it has not been the bludgeoning as of late. In fact, this guy got pretty close. Was it close enough? Another one-question win. Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. I'm so sorry, Paul. I thought it might go to a tiebreaker again for you, but Randy Carricker got number four, and he beat you four to three in today's fight. Hey, it happens. Another time I'll get him. There you go. <laughs> I like the enthusiasm. Let's go through those answers. Jack Flaherty getting his win last night. The only Cardinals pitcher to have three or more wins so far this season. There's only one player in Major League Baseball who has homered more than Aaron Judge's 230 since his debut in 2016, and that is the 236 hit by Nolan Arenado. Only three running backs in NFL history put up 10 or more consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. It's Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, and then his first 10 seasons in the league straight. Curtis Martin ripped off 10 thousand yard seasons his 11th year his final year in the nfl the only one where he didn't top a thousand yards he also had 1600 his career high in his second to last season it's really weird uh that's maybe, maybe the least talked about great running back he was fantastic and it has now been 30 years since the canadian team hoisted the stanley cup but it's only been 28 years since an american team hoisted the cfl's great cup and that was in fact the baltimore stallions who came in across the uh um, the american expansion for two years 94 and 95 they played in the championship games both years and won it in 1995 go go so four, go you purple stallion a 4-3 win for randy character in today's fight paul thanks so much for joining the fight in the show today Thank you, all Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Good to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Your Cardinals scored 18 runs last night, and we're going to hear a couple of those next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. We 
with Brooke Grimsley and the Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Your St. Louis Cardinals with an 18-1 route of the first place Milwaukee Brewers last night at the ballpark. And I think everybody was, as they were either at the game or watching on TV, probably was saying, let's save some for tomorrow. Yeah, just a few. They scored 10 in the, in the eighth. I don't think you needed to do that. No, that's a bludgeoning right there. <laughs> it definitely is. That is. But it's fun to see. I mean, it's fun to see them on track the way that they are. It's fun to see, you know, Jack Flaherty performing at his best. Wilson Contreras back in his rightful spot behind the plate. Um, and you're starting to see the bats come alive. Nolan Gorman is 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 a is going to be a star, uh, I think, mm-hmm. in this league. He's showing it. I like that they've placed him between Goldie and Arenado as well. I know that was kind of the thing last year where those two were batting back-to-back, but you got a left-handed bat splitting those two up, which gives the pitcher a little bit something different to look at in between those two stars. So um, I'm really excited, and, and Randy, I'm going to be more excited whenever Jordan Walker comes back to this roster because I think that just gives you more depth in the outfield. It's It's... It's trending upward. Let's say that. Nolan Arenado has been very hot, and he stayed hot last night in the first. Swing, fly ball, wallop down the line. Did he keep it fair? He did. A three-run homer. That was Chip Carey, the call on Bally Sports, and Arenado has been very hot. We'll hear from him in just a moment. But when you look at the course of the last week, guys, and look at what Nolan Arenado has been able to accomplish, Hitting 440 with four homers and 12 RBIs and 1.444 OPS in the last week. Yeah, I mean, you can just tell that he feels a lot more comfortable and confident. It's interesting because Katie Wu of The Athletic put out an article yesterday before the game about Nolan Arenado and what's kind of changed with him. And he said that he was dealing with an issue that he called dead hands. His lower body and upper body were out of sync. And in watching videos, he worked extensively with hitting coach Turner Ward. Ward. He made sure to say that in that article as well is that he worked extensively with Turner Ward to kind of work on some of his mechanics and he credits that to being a reason why he was able to turn things around and I mean even Wayno said it when Nolan Arenado goes the team goes as well too you need him performing at his best you need Paul Goldschmidt performing at his best as well those are your two superstars the rest of the guys are supporting cast that are there to help build them up but you could just tell that a lot of this has to do the success that we're we're seeing right now especially hitting wise is because Nolan Arenado is doing better and trending in the right direction and it just it's interesting that he credited Turner Ward a lot for that too and by the way if the Cardinals do wind up trading Dylan Carlson that's the syndrome that Joe John Mozeliak will be dealing with too is cold dead hands oh <laughs> Oh, you like it? I see what you're doing there. I got a slow clap. I like it. I got a slow clap. <laughs> so Nolan Arnauto is hot, and Nolan Gorman says, "Hold my beer." Swing, fly ball, deep right field. Gorman has a three-run homer. Unreal. That home run made it 12 to one. The Cardinals would wind up winning by a score of 18 to one. I mentioned what. Nolan Arenado has done in the last seven days. Well, Gorman has hit 500 with three homers, 10 RBIs, and an OPS approaching 2,000 over the course of the last week. So the two Nolans are red, red hot for the Cardinals. As a matter of fact, Nolan Arenado, how do you feel about that game right now? Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm hitting the ball hard. I'm having good bats, seeing the ball a little bit better. Um, And I'm just trying to continue that, you know, trying not to do too much. And uh, there's been a lot of work to put into it, but uh, uh, so far, so good. 
And amazingly, for the Cardinals, those guys weren't even the highlight of the night. Would you guys, you, Brooke, and Carrie agree that the highlight of the evening was Jack Flaherty? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I was going to say Kisner's Grand Slam. Well, that, that was pretty good, too, but it was off of a <laughs> position good. guy. Flaherty, seven shutout <laughs> innings. He allows three hit strikes out ten. And you have to say it's pretty good. It's just a place to start. Go from there and, uh, you know... You kind of see it with all of our all of our starters. Miles has turned it around, you know, whatever however his start was this season. He had a good one yesterday, and you just want to build off that as, as starters. You know, we, we know that we're going to piggyback off each other once somebody puts together, you know, a real good one, and he did that yesterday, and I was able to build off that. So, you know, each and every guy is just continuing to get better, and all, you know, um, and it's just about continuing to, you know, piggyback off each other, which is something we've been able, you know, we're going we're gonna to do. We know we going to do it, and it's just, uh, you know, one after the other, and it's kind of in with this, this whole team kind of piggybacking off each other. And that'll be the case tonight when the Cardinals send Jordan Montgomery to the mound against Wade Miley of the Brewers in a 645 game at the ballpark. You know what I noticed there? The mood is so much different when you're winning. You yeah, hear it's music different. in the background. Mm-hmm. It's laughter. It's cheerful. It's joyous. It can, can, compared to what, what, what did we have last week, Rock? You, you don't understand pitching. Yeah. Excuse me. What? Yeah. What? Yep. <laughs> you, you just. You don't understand pitching. That's okay. You want to say that again. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's it's vastly different, and and winning some games does that. You feel better. Your day is better. Your your post game is better. It's just more exciting to to be in a winning locker room than than what they have been going through. And I think a lot of that, they put themselves in that position, and now they're working themselves out of that position. And by the way, they're still in that position because the Cardinals, for as fun as this last week has been, they still have the worst record in the National League. Colorado's still a game ahead of them. so That says a lot of how poorly yeah. they play oh, man. to start. Yeah, there's some work to do. Yeah. Well, and you talk about the difference, too. Now listen to Jack Flaherty when he was asked about his velo. I mentioned velocity. I think I saw you smile. I, okay. Of course, Jim. You know, you know how it is. We're good. <laughs> you see, there you, go. you like that too. He was able to at least show. He kind of. I felt like he probably knew that that was coming because it was Jim Hayes involved with that as long as well as Derek Gould. And so it's see, you see how much things have changed in that regard too. Where it's a happy Jack Flaherty. Everybody's on the same page as well. It just it felt like this was so needed in many different ways. One for the starting pitching. Two for Wilson Contreras and Jack Flaherty to get back on the same page. That relationship mended. Hopefully. That will be the start of something really great mm-hmm. between them. If Flaherty definitely stays yeah. <laughs> and they continue to maybe grow and become great battery mates in the future, uh, you, you just ho- you, you see so many good things coming from that game last night. Now, will it happen consistently? That's going to be the biggest question now moving forward. What a story it can be. We have NBA playoff basketball tonight here on 101 ESPN. Nuggets and Lakers game one, pregame at seven. And, of course, you can hear it here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carey, and Randy, and that's today's Rush Hour Reset a little bit early because coming up we're going to talk to ESPN's Doug Glanville. He was on the ESPN radio call of the Cards and Red Sox the other night, so he got an up-close-and-personal view. We'll talk to Doug Glanville, also of, by the way, the Starkville podcast next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke 
Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Doug Glanville had the ESPN radio call of the Cards and Red Sox on Sunday night. Of course, he is the co-host of the Starkville podcast with Jason Stark, and that's must-listen for any baseball fan. And Doug Glanville joins us now on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Doug, great to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing great. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, what about this turnaround by the Cardinals? What do you think? Wow. I mean, I you know, I saw a lot of that series. I called two of the games against the Red Sox. And, uh, you know, going into the season, I had picked the Cardinals to uh, <clears throat> take the Central. And um, I was looking very wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> early. But uh, I'll tell you, they, they seem to have put a lot of things together uh, the last couple of days. And, you know, we had a chance to talk to Ollie Mormal a couple of days before these games, and you know, we felt like there's things that are coming around, and they um, they wanted to get their pitching a little more solidified. And there was a lot of stuff going around with Contreras in terms of his role and getting him up to speed as a catcher. But um, one big thing I noticed is whether it's Newt Bar or the top of the order, or pretty much everybody from one through five, Arenado looks like he's finding his swing, and and they're putting it together. So offensively. You know they're they're on fire, and what they did to the Brewers last night was was categorically unfair. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it is just one game back, uh, where you have Wilson Contreras back behind the plate, but it really seems like we talk about communication. With that being cleared up, you saw the result on the field last night, where it seemed like everybody's on the same page. Do you think that this is the start of something good for the Cardinals too, or is it too soon to say? I, I think it's good. I mean, you have to circle that game last night because every question mark that had been plaguing the Cardinals was answered and responded and their capability last night. Because whether it's Edmund trying to get back in the stride, whether the young is figuring it out, Newt Bar being a, a quintessential leadoff hitter, Arenado's stroke, Flaherty being able to do what he does, and, and Contreras being a good receiver behind the plate. Everybody <laughs> did everything they're supposed to do. And that's the Cardinals uh, that we expected coming out of camp. And uh, it was pure domination, but you could see the, the signs just in the Red Sox series, you know, coming back, beating a established closer and Kenley Jansen using sort of strategic moves like Contreras working the pitch clock. I mean, there were so many things that went right. And I watched Arenado closely because he's a pull hitter that has to have a certain swing path to be successful because he kind of gives up the outer third of the plate to try to hit everything towards center, left center. And when he's hooking the ball foul and he's under the ball, rolling over, you know, that's when he's, he's not going well. But the last week, he's absolutely on time. Doug, we're seeing a maturation from Nolan Gorman uh, in comparison to what he was last year. He's fourth in the league in OPS, in major leagues in OPS. And in in 98, you led the league in, in at-bats. And I want to know, when you're getting those at-bats and seeing more pitches, how much more does the game slow down for you? Well, I thought of being completely asleep at the end of the season. <laughs> <For all> those, <laughs> uh, you have, um, you have a, a great body of work to, to consider and to review. You know, With a, that amount of uh, activity, you're seeing everybody in every scenario, starters, relievers. Uh, lefty righty and I think it gives you a, a lot of insight and for me as a leadoff hitter I had information to pass on to the rest of my lineup and uh, I thought there was you know a lot of advantages to that but you know Gorman has always had a very mature approach at the plate always the big question marks was defensively where you're going to put him how is he going to get better but the Cardinals have so many Swiss Army knives around there 
that, you know, whether you throw Donovan somewhere, Young, Edmund, you don't really lose anything. You can move people around, and the DH has set them free, so to speak, because now, you know, you can put guys in more on the offensive-minded way and still have great defense. And and Gorman had such huge hits um, in the in the Red Sox series, so um, they knew offensively this is someone he could be. He's got the power. He had a tenth home run, and uh, I think that's going to be who he is as a batter. And I'm sure he'll get better as a defender. And that's all the more um, weaponry that the Cardinals will have. ESPN's Doug Glanville with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And Doug, we didn't refer to the whole Contreras thing as a controversy. We called it on this show a kerf- kerfuffle. Uh, <laughs> a pen grad, you know, you know what a kerfuffle is. What do, what do you make of the whole the whole Contreras situation? Well, it seems like it was conversations that they were having that was kind of supposed to stay more in house and wasn't as alarming as it sort of, you know, ended up getting portrayed. I, I think the the sense is like you have a new catcher in a new system that had a very shortened spring training when you think about, you know, half your staff was in the WBC and, you know, he's trying to adjust to a new culture. And the biggest adjustment any player can make is as a catcher going to a new organization where you have a whole different organizational philosophy. You know, uh, you know each team will have a decision or each organization has a decision to make about who really manages the game. Depends on the pitcher. Or is, the, is the catcher calling all the signs? Is it coming from the dugout? Is it, you know, all those things, they clearly were, you know, coming from different cultures. And th- there's no judgment as to, like, what the Cubs did versus what the Cardinals choose to do. But you have to remember the Cardinals just had Yadier Molina retire. Right? So this guy could run everything, right? I mean, he was involved in everything. And that was it's really impossible to go behind someone like that and walk in as a new catcher and say, oh, I got all the systems down pat. So I think it was just a, a step back to say, let's just give everybody time to you know, lay out the expectations, get on the same page, and take this as a learning curve and a long game because he has a long-term contract. And you know, we're not going to blow up this whole thing in like two weeks just trying to rush stuff. So I, I think it's just a matter of time. And you know, Contreras is, a, is game on. You know, He's fiery dude. He's going to play hard. He's looking for an edge. He's edgy. And, you know, he wants things to, you know, to happen now and make it happen. And he's a world champion. So I think overall it started to become more like, oh, this guy can't do the job. And how did you not know that? You signed this guy. But you look at his track record of, you know, many-time all-star, uh, he can absolutely do the job. They just have to figure out exactly what job that is and what's the best for the organization. Speaking of kerfuffles and controversies, last night, did you see the whole situation with Aaron Judge and the um, uh, Blue Jays? Uh, Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, Blue Jays <laughs> broadcast, where they were kind of insinuating that Aaron Judge might be cheating the way that he glanced over at the dugout. What did you make of that? <laughs> well, I mean, I... I... I see it as sort of where we are now. Like, you know, you know, you have obviously the cameras are everywhere and, and the sensitivity around issues about getting advantage is, is huge ever since the Astros World Series 2017. So, you know, and, and when you have teams that are competing in a very hotly contested American League East uh, and any other division in, in, for that matter, uh, you're, you're looking for advantages. Like, just like Contreras kept that one foot out of the batter's box until mm-hmm. <laughs> nine seconds. You know? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's the gamesmanship and, um, and the idea that, you know, okay, the Yankees have been accused definitely in the past, and 
and they were on the short end of the stick when it comes to the Astros. So I think it's consistent with uh, a lot of the conversations, and I'm sure, uh, you know, a lot of trash talking, it's all part of it. And most of the times, a guy like Aaron Judge, you don't want to upset (laughs) because he usually uh, settles the score with the bat. Doug, here we are about a month and a half into the season. What are you making of the new rules and how they're uh, making playing out for the game of baseball? Yeah, I, I like the rules. I, I think they're overall very positive. It, it's certainly accomplishing what was set out to accomplish, that is get more pace, more rhythm, uh, generally shorter games, but really more about a better better tempo. There was so much dead time. And I loved it as an announcer. I could tell stories and poems. I could read all kinds of stuff in between pitches. <laughs> That's no longer the case. Uh, I do think that it's just gotten the ball in play more, and he just got more rhythm and and timing, just the the action. So, you know, there's there's definitely hiccups. You saw with Kenley Jansen and the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're trying to figure out the the spirit of it and what's best to enforce it in ways that how it's meant to be, as opposed to like, all right, you know, I'm going to get an edge here. I'm going to hold the ball and all these things. So I'm sure they're going to have to continue to work at, but I. I circle the clock as the most consequential. I talked to Hein Bloom, the baseball ops for the Red Sox, and he said he thinks it's one of the most consequential things that he's seen in his entire career around the sport. So he's, you know, there's a lot of feelings that there's those elements. And yes, the base stealing is settling in, and I, I like the idea of you're trying to encourage base hits and cutting down the shift so that you can go first to third more and, you know, let the single be a weapon now. That That's all good stuff. And um, and the fact that you can see Shohei Otani in every city or at least every against every organization is a good thing because that's like Haley's comment. I mean, you got you got to see this guy play. So yeah, a lot a lot of positive, and I'm sure they'll make adjustments too going forward. You talked about Wilson Contreras and kind of that gamesmanship. I expected to see more of the gamesmanship from the pitchers, as you said, locking eyes with eight seconds. Most of them are pitching right then, as opposed to kind of varying that time. What do you, do you think that that's going to come into play at some point as well? Oh, no doubt. It, I mean, the thing that it's, it's so different is the speed of information is so outlandish that, you know, any rule you put into play, immediately you have a 36-person analytics team. Like, oh, how are we going to get around this? How are we going to break this down? How are we going to figure this? I mean, it doesn't – so nothing's going to stick. They're going to have to constantly review it. And, uh, and yeah, Max Scherzer is a perfect example. In spring training, he's holding the ball. He's trying to do – so there's no doubt pitchers will – continue to figure it out and you know and i think each time they kind of come down on one side like the pitcher then the hitters try stuff like Contreras, you keep your foot out and that was smart because jansen you know used to time this guy with like a sundial i mean going to home i mean it was ridiculous however he learned how to be very quick with with the new clock and he said okay i gotta be faster so now it almost worked against him because he was got into such a rhythm and he was trying to go quickly that Contreras and, and the Cardinals knew how to exploit it. And, you know, it was very much tactical. And uh, and so now that's advantage pitcher, advantage hitter, and the pitchers will figure out a way to respond to that. Doug Glanville, before we let you go, you mentioned the teams with the 30-man analytics departments. And analytics, obviously, is a, the numbers and the tools are a huge part of this game. But we see Bruce Bochy in first place. We see Dusty as the champion of the National League right now. We see Rob Thompson and Buck Showalter having their success. What do you make of the recent success of the more old-school guys? Uh, it's great. It's great to see because they're stewards of the games. They're, they've been lifers effectively and contributed so much to the game. And, and uh, you know, we should never diminish 
the fact that they've been around a long time. You know, there's, there's so much wisdom and experience. And I think part of the reason they're also still successful is they were always adaptable figures. You know, even before the data was is so as, as intense as it is, they were always figuring out ways to get ahead and find edges. And, I mean, I played for Buck Walter. We used to have meetings before games, and he knew information. He's like, oh, I heard John Olerud got his car fixed yesterday, and that might be a problem because he's worried about, you know. I mean, this guy, like, has eyes. <laughs> So, you know, it's information, and everybody appreciates information. I don't like it kind of sounds like a curse word these days. But really, I I think most people agree that it's good to have information. It's just how you synthesize it in in real time and how much it's weighed towards the game and decisions made in the game. And that's where Dusty Bakers, they have to sort of decide, okay, this is valuable. Maybe I know more about this because I knew last night he was – up late with his daughter had 103 fever, you know, he, things like that, that, that he knows the people. And that's still a very important aspect of, of being a good leader of, of men. And so to speak in this case. And, um, and so I feel like the, these, these voices that have echoed for so many decades. So it's good to see they have a new renewed value. And, um, and I think there's always a need for equilibrium, you know, and, and, and they use a lot of the data. Dusty talks about oh, all the load management data and all this stuff. And, but he's like, oh, you know, I, I know what to take and I know what to employ. And sometimes I put certain things to the side. And uh, overall, they're, they're good balancers for the game. Doug Glanville, we really enjoy your work on ESPN and love the Starkville podcast with you and Jason Stark. Thanks so much for the time this morning. Good talking to you. And hopefully as the season continues to unfold, we'll be able to do this again. All right. Sounds good. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Doug Glanville, ESPN, with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Next up, our buddy Mike Claiborne will join us and we'll find out if he can tell us why the Cardinals have gotten so hot. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And we head to the celebrity line now. And our buddy Mike Claiborne from ClaibsOnline.com joins us. Cardinals are red hot. And so Mike is a happy camper. Michael, how are you doing this morning? I am doing well. Uh, Looking forward to tonight. Um, It's it's a good time to be a Cardinal fan again for most who already (laughs) abandoned ships. You know, and, and you, you guys know my deal on June 14th. And I think every time I've come on, I've tried to be objective with regard to this team. And, you know, we haven't seen the best yet, but, you know, we're seeing what could be the best. So it's all good. What do you think has happened? What 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 has caused the turnaround? Well, I just think some, some guys had to be honest with what was going on. Uh, you know, I'm sure you probably heard Paul Goldschmidt called a meeting last week and I'm sure guys, you know, when he talks, everybody listens. I mean, because he's a man of few words to the media, but he's a delightful person to talk to if there's no microphone around. And I just think, hey, listen, man, let's just go out and play. You know, we're thinking too much and we're talking too much. Let's just go play. And I think that's what it's come down to. Uh, and guys getting comfortable. doesn't hurt that Arnado starts to warm up. But I think what's also important here is you have other people that are starting to to really embrace what's going on. Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, you know, Tommy Edmond last night. I mean, every night it's a new guy that's also contributing other than Goldschmidt and Arnado. Unless we not forget Andrew Kissinger. 
Yeah, Andrew Andrew Kisner has been great in this whole situation as well. There's just so many good storylines, as you mentioned. It just felt like everything was clicking clicking last night for the Cardinals. Did it feel like this performance with Jack Flaherty and having Wilson Contreras behind the plate helps move on from the narrative of all the contention and putting all that behind? Yeah, I agree, Brooke. Uh, and I think this. There may be a bumpy road somewhere along the way, but you know, all they have to do is say, hey, you know, we know this works. We know it works, so let's just figure out how we get back to it. I mean, you played a good team, a team that's in first place in Milwaukee. It wasn't like you were playing some also ran. I mean, this is a good team. So you have a lot of building blocks that you can really have to, to go to with, with for the future, and obviously it boosts everybody's confidence. So uh, I'm looking forward to bigger and better things. But, you know, as the weather warms up, as will the Cardinals. Claves, you are a very patient man from what I've learned, but I, I find it hard for you or anyone to be patient when they were going through that. I think it was 4-15 and 15 stretch. Now, I know you are a peaceful, pace, pa- pa- patient man, but you were still patient during that time as well? Yeah, uh, because it, not to say I've seen this before, because to be honest with you, I haven't seen the Cardinals get off to such a bad start in a long time. But I, I guess I was building on what I saw in spring training. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, one of the best spring trainings I've ever seen the Cardinals have. Now, you can easily say, well, you know, they weren't game planning. The analytics didn't come into play as much. And that's true. And I think um, Jordan Walker found that out firsthand, that, you know, teams started to figure out what he can and can't do, and they started to expose him. But at the end of the day, you had too many good players that had built a legitimate resume, even though many of those guys have less than four years of experience. So, but with that said, you know, we, I saw enough of those guys to feel like, okay, you know, we, we can definitely win the division. And I, I think now it's like, all right, let's tap somebody else on the shoulder and say, hey, we want to go on beyond the first round. So, you know, it, it's, it's a work in progress, Terry. And, and while I am patient about some things, you can ask my significant. I am not patient about other things, okay? So, so I, don't, I don't want anybody to think that you got to you play know, the cream puff here or anything. You know, there's something that's trying to rile me up. Hey, Claves, with the injury to Dylan Carlson, do you expect any movement uh, on this roster? No, I don't think so. You know, this is kind of a day-to-day. You know, I, I talked to him yesterday, and I told him I thought he blew out his Achilles. Yeah. The way he came out of the box. Yep. Because it, it just looked so awkward. And he, he made the point that it kind of scared him more than anything else. But, you know, he said he caught his cleat. You know, it's day to day. I think that, you know, with Newbar and center field, they feel very comfortable. Brendan Donovan has, has been very solid in the outfield. Uh, Alec Burleson is, is doing an okay job. You know, so they're okay for now. But obviously they're better with Carlson in the lineup because he was starting to swing the bat a little bit more effectively, too. Claves up at ClavesOnline.com. You have a great photo gallery of uh, photos of yourself and, and Mike Shannon or photos that you took of Mike. What great memories. Yeah. You know, um, Fast Eddie and I did a Cardinals podcast the other day, and we just started telling story after story after story. And I, I have to be one of the more fortunate people to have Mike as uh, not just a person I work with, but as one of my best friends. And, you know, the one neat thing about Mike Shannon, when he would tell a story, he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, change it up because of who was in the room, okay? So the story was always <laughs> the same, and, and 99.8% of it was true, you know, and, and that was the fun thing about it. 
uh, in just dealing with him as a friend and as a broadcaster, and, and I, I was very fortunate. And you know, Randy, you know, he never met a stranger, and uh, he embraced everybody, whether you were a kid. I, I know whenever he would be around people, the first thing he said, "Where are you from?" He was big on that. He, that was his basic answer. Like instead of where'd you go to high school, where are you from? And you could say, "I'm from Uzbekistan," and he'll say. Oh yeah, they got a golf course there. The Buffalo's <laughs> name is Joe Blow. They got a great restaurant about three blocks away and a good bar. He would know. He and Jay Randolph Senior, the, they might as well be Rand McNally. <laughs> you know, 2.0. I mean, they knew everything and everybody. So I have those great memories to go by. And one of those uh, great stories, and it's a quick one, was when Mickey Mantle hit that upper deck home run in the uh, 64 World Series and Mike goes back to the wall and he's looking up and he's got his glove up and it's a, it's a home run. It's like a 500-footer. And somebody asked Mike, well, why are you going to the wall and putting your glove up? And he said, big boy, you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> You know, the, the wind might have caught it. I mean, literally, Mickey Mantle hit this thing into the next county, all right? And Shannon is at the wall climbing like he thinks he's actually got a shot. At but that's who he was. I mean, that's who he was. So, uh, fun guy to be around, and, and we'll miss him. Claims, uh, what else you got going on on ClaimsOnline.com right now? Well, you know, we got the commission. He has a really good piece out this, uh, t- uh, yesterday that I would suggest everybody go to. Um, Rocky on Rammer. We got the NBA uh, Conference Finals, man. It doesn't get any better than that. And uh, Joe Roderick and I do our lunch show tomorrow, and Dr. Rick drops a new podcast on Thursday. And those are just some of the things you'll be able to check out on ClavesOnline.com. Claves, are you surprised? Hey, who do you like in the? Uh... I, you know, that's where I was going. I, I, I gotta go. I gotta go. Denver and Boston. I can't. I can't see myself rooting for the Lakers. I've never been a Laker fan, um, and I think Denver has the better team. That that's Rock's uh, uncle, Uncle Stan, out there owning the team, and so I got to go with them. And I think I think Boston coming out of the East. Well, see, you and I, you know, we, we get along, but we obviously got a problem here. Uh, because, I, you know, now granted, I'm a Laker fan, tried and true, but as you guys know, I had kind of put my, my membership card on an inactive status because I wasn't sure. But now that they're in it, you know, I got I to gotta get it reactivated. Uh, I like the chances because here's the thing, and I was talking to Frank Cusimano about, you know, both these teams have 17 championships. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be something if they could get back to the finals? Yeah. And because Stan owns the Nuggets, I can never root for anybody that Stan Crockett <laughs> has, has any sort of dealership with. So he's out. I think Boston's going to have a problem because I think Miami guards better than Philadelphia ever could think about. So I think it's going to be a fun series. I could easily see Miami in the finals against the Lakers, or I could see the Lakers in the finals against Boston. I, I just don't think Denver's tough enough. I think they're going to make these guys really play hard. You know, Achimura and uh, Vanderbilt have really made them a, a better team defensively. They're both long. They can create some problems. And, uh, you know, somebody else from Denver is going to have to step up, and I just don't know who that is. When your coach has called you soft a couple of times already this season, that's all you need to know. And at least Joker said it yesterday, we're playing against the Lakers team we haven't seen before. Yeah. He's right. And it would be very interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also looking forward to the uh, Stanley Cup uh, Conference Finals as well. I was kind of pulling for Seattle, but you know what? Uh, it'll be a good conference final uh, on both sides of the ledger. They're just all four of those teams. I don't think anybody envisioned being there, though. Jamal Murray, keep an eye on him. He's a he he he's the guy. He, 
Good player. No, yes. you know what? He he's gonna have to be the guy because you know what, Porter Jr. I think they'll push him around too much where he might quit. <laughs> yeah, and Mike, he might quit. You are a man of character. I'm glad that you, unlike. Matthew Rocchio don't have the moral flexibility to root for Stan Kroenke. You know, you know, Rocchio, I've had to put my arm around him and Kerry, I guess, and kind of walk and kind of just kind of get these guys squared away, man. It's more, yeah, I love it's him more to death. That's why I'm going to hug him. Instead of, that's why I'm going to hug him. You know, but that, it's going to be some good series, though. But, you know, we'll get some counseling for him and get him now. I'm sure Hubbard's got some sort of program where you can go in and, and sit down and see somebody. Mike, we had a mental health seminar just last week. I didn't see either of these guys in it. Oh, no. man. I that one. You know, we'll get them there. Don't worry. And by the way, how good is Doug Glanville? You guys had him on before. Doug Glanville is the man. He's terrific. Yeah. He's Very really good. He, he's terrific. Yep. Michael. And, and that's why I had to get, get on you guys so everybody will forget how good Doug was. <laughs> <to me. laughs> hey, always great to have you with us on a Tuesday. Thank you very much, and we'll see you at the ballpark this week. All right, let's come on down and support the Cardinals. They're having fun at the old ballpark again. Thanks, Claves. All right, you guys take care. Mike Claiborne, Claves online with us on 101 ESPN. By the way, we have Nuggets-Lakers game one tonight, pregame at 7 here on 101 ESPN. What do we make of the 18-run explosion by uh, – uh, wrong date? Do I no, 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 no. I was, I was trying to see if Rock was going to be in town, if he was going to go oh. out to Denver. Oh. Probably no, make a way to – I was wondering if he's going to be at work tomorrow. Yeah. Denver used to be one of the cities that was really easy back when we had an airport that flew everywhere. Yeah. That you could fly in on the day of and fly right out of. Denver you still, was a, you can on Southwest. Okay. But flying into Denver is it's so bumpy here. Yeah. You can just call up his friend and I'm but, sure we'll, we'll charter Stan, a jet Uncle for Stan, him. Uncle yeah. Stan flying you out there? This week, yeah. Unfor- unfortunately, uh, I never got to hang out with Josh at, at good old Mizzou, so I guess oh, I just don't have that connection. Okay, just okay. checking. Coming up was that offensive explosion by the Cardinals last night. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think it ends up being. An opportunity for a big statement. Swing, fly ball, wallop toward right. That one's not coming back. Tommy Edmond has hit a homer. Swing, fly ball, deep right field. Gorman has a three-run homer. Good balance. Swing, fly ball, deep left. Kistner's hit a grand slam. Brooke, Carey, and Randy, and in the last week, the Cardinals have hit 14 home runs. They've also added 12 doubles and a couple of triples. The Cardinals' OPS over the course of the last seven days is 958. For the season, it's 773. And it was, by the way, down in that 755 range or so, so, so oh, before the last week, so before the last couple of weeks. So they've really kind of hit their stride offensively. And last night, May have been the pinnacle. 18 runs on 16 hits. But it really does. And, and are they going to score eight runs a game? Probably not. But can they this better. be? They better. But, <laughs> but can this be a team that consistently scores four or five? Four is the magic number that you want to get to every game. And it kind of feels like over the course of the last couple of weeks, let me give you the last uh, 14 days, the Cardinals have scored a total of 85 runs over the course of the last two weeks. You score 42 runs a week. That's generally going to be enough to get you a lot of victories. Well, 27 runs in the past two games combined. 
So you just continue that, right? Like just continue that trajectory. But honestly, though, going to your question, it feels like that's what this offense was built to do, right? We we know that this is a very, I'm going to say it because somebody always texts in whenever I say talented roster. This is a talented very roster. Talented. We knew that they were underperforming. And we were hoping that it was a matter of time that everything would kick in on a consistent basis. And hopefully that's what we're seeing now. I don't think it's coincidence that we're seeing it more now that Nolan Arenado is doing better. It seems like everybody is on the same page offensively, hopefully pitching-wise too, that will continue in the right direction. I don't think that anybody was expecting this starting rotation to exactly be elite. I think that's a fair statement, right? But I think people were expecting this offense to be elite for the Cardinals. Yeah, I think it, it is. We all thought the, the offense would do an, a fantastic job. It's the pitching. It's been the pitching. Right now they are bottom 12 in, in ERA in the league, and they are bottom five in number of walks allowed in the league. So you you want to make sure that you are doing the things that Jack Flaherty did last night. You have to have quality starts from your starting pitching. You have to get, you know, put zeros on the board, limit the number of hits that you're giving giving up and limit the number of walks that you're allowing. And if you do that, you put yourself in a position where you can stay in games or get back into games <clears throat> like they did in Boston. And if not, you're going to have some 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 struggling times trying to trying to score runs and catch up to teams that you're so far behind. And I think what the Cardinals need to strive for are they going to score 18 runs on a regular basis? No. no. Yes. But can they score? Oh, oh yeah, maybe. Whoopsies. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> are, are they going to get seven innings of shutout pitching on a regular basis? No. But here's the thing: if they can score four every game, four or five, and get a quality start every game, if you allow three or fewer over six innings and score four or more on a regular basis, you're going to win a whole lot of ball games. As a matter of fact, that will be enough for you to have the winning percentage to get back in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that this is a good direction we're seeing the team get in, and maybe it, there's a lot more to it. Things clicking, everybody getting on the same page. You had the World Baseball Classic, but I just really feel like the communication we keep hearing mm-hmm. over and over again. You had Paul Goldschmidt addressing the team. You had Adam Wainwright prior to that also addressing Jack Flaherty, Wilson Contreras, and Ollie Marmol kind of leading the charge on that as well. It seems like communication was huge for this team kind of all clicking together at the right time and playing together. It sounds really simple, but it did feel like for a while there that they weren't playing together and that maybe it was a lot of guys just trying to figure out something they had going on internally. And now it feels like you're seeing more of a full team effort. Brooke, it feels like Adam Wainwright came back. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, this is a problem that better be solved by next year because Adam's not coming back next yeah. year. Oh, that's but a good But the leadership <laughs> and the the continuity of the ball club that he delivers, I don't think it's at all a surprise that since he returned, the Cardinals are seven and two. That we talked about that yesterday, seven and two since he returned. And the one thing that I said, we we just found out about uh, Goldschmidt having that players meeting. That was the one thing that we hadn't heard come out during those struggles, kind of. Normally, when you're a team that is stinking the way that they were, you have those player-only meetings. You have guys sitting down and saying, hey, what do we need to do to be better? And now that they are winning, you realize they did have those conversations. Wayno did have those conversations. And those are things that generally are required because the coaches can't help you. As much as you want to place blame on analytics and place blame on the manager and the front office and they built this roster, they, they, at the end of the day, the people that are on that field are the ones that are not, not that were not throwing the right pitches in the right location. We're not having the timely hitting. We're not fielding the balls properly. 
those are on the players. And so when you're looking at trying to find a way to dig yourself out of it, look no further. Well, <laughs> look inside and, this clubhouse and, and figure out how we can get it done. And you know what? There's only two guys on that team where they can stand up and every other player can say, oh, he knows what it takes because he won a World Series. Yeah. And yeah. it's Wainwright and Contreras. Yep. Yeah. Those are the two. Well, and also Paul Goldschmidt speaking up as well. A, a man of few words, as Clabe said as mm-hmm. well. I mean, that when he stands up and says something, you know that everybody is going to listen. And he's more of a lead by example guy. But when he stands up and has something to say, everybody in that room is going to stop and pay attention. And you just hope that that will be what continues here moving forward. Right. Because even, it, I don't, it, this is just speculation, but that's what it looks like when you had the different storylines and kind of narratives coming out that maybe the communication wasn't the best amongst the coaching staff and the players too. And so it's everybody kind of learning which communication style works best and moving forward with that. Brooke, if your manager says one day that the uh, the catcher is going to play outfield, and then literally the next day the general manager, the pobo says, no, he's not going to play the outfield. That's, that's a, a lack lot. of communication. <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like a late night phone call yeah, from somebody that cuts checks. Yeah. He said, what? <laughs> the hell he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you got yeah. a week. <laughs> Figure right. it out. <laughs> right. By the way, that four-run stat so far this season, the Cardinals, when scoring three or fewer runs, are two and fourteen. After last night, when scoring four or more, fifteen and eleven. So four is going to be the magic number once this starting okay. rotation settles in. I thought six was a serious. Six number. is a serious number. Four Sixty cent it. drinks at Mobile on the Run today. Okay. Oh yeah, enjoy. Do enjoy. You're welcome. Thank you, <laughs> Nolan Gorman and Nolan Arenado. We appreciate the coffee and soda. Coming up next, we've got rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It's time for Rock and Roll, but 101 ESPN is your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to Thursday night's Budweiser Bash for the Cards and Dodgers. This week's Bud Bash game features a limited edition Mike Matheny bobblehead. You can get all the details on this season's series of Budweiser Bash Cardinals games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. But you can text in right now to 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO, for your chance to score that four-pack of tickets to Thursday's Budweiser Bash at Bush Stadium for the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Okay, so it's Mike Matheny. When Mike Matheny was playing for the Cardinals in 2000, he was gracious enough when Will Clark came here to give up his number 22. Today's question is, when Mike Matheny gave up number 22 for the rest of that season, what number did he wear? And texture number 48, texture number 48, if you text in with the correct number that Mike Matheny wore when he gave up 22 to Will Clark, uh, you will win the four-pack of... uh, Budweiser Bash tickets for the Mike Matheny bobblehead at the ballpark against the Dodgers on Thursday. Hmm. So there you go. I think I know the answer. Yeah, you may. You may not. <laughs> we'll see. All right. What do we got for rock and roll? Matthew, rock. Well, this is actually this is a developing story that, that's happening right now on Twitter that I, I think is honestly fascinating because there are some college football writers who, who think they have figured out something that honestly I, I have great respect for, and that is that Stetson Bennett, despite the fact that he enrolled in Georgia for his freshman year in 2017, the fall of 2017, that is just under six years ago, five, five full academic years. Am I correct there, Carrie? Is it six full academic years? Carrie's counting in his fingers right now. It's six yeah, that, full that, academic that's, years. That, it, 
23, May 6th for and the, academic years. And the report right now is that Stetson Bennett has no degree from the University of Georgia. <laughs> That's absurd. How do we know that for sure, though? Well, he didn't grad. They they had picture. They had a picture of the graduates for uh, for on Georgia's website, I believe, mm-hmm. the, the football website, and he wasn't he wasn't a part of it. Oh no! I don't think he's ever been a part of it. I don't. He's, he's apparently everyone, everyone's <laughs> double checking. We got some of the best some of the best college football writers around town are are, are are looking at it, and no one can find any evidence of of Stetson Bennett with a bachelor's from the University of Georgia, despite being there for at least six years. Here's my thing, though. At some point, I mean, you you take enough classes to like be eligible to play football, and you will accidentally get like a leisure arts degree. Can I, can I give so you? So, what a, kind of strategic like it, schedule planning was this guy going can for? I, can I give you a, a quick story? So, I I'm sitting in my um, guidance counselor's office or academic counselor's office, and he says, "Is going into my fourth year, um, my fourth year actually of of college," and he says, "You know, you can graduate this this uh, this year." I looked behind me. I said, who, who are you talking to? <laughs> you, you, you talking to me? He said, yeah, Kerry, you've been going to school every summer, taking classes. You take the full classes during the school year. You can graduate on time. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I didn't plan. I thought I was going to be in the NFL prior to having a graduation. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm at this point, of course I'll graduate. And that, that seems to be a reasonable deal because – as athletes, we are on campus all summer. Right. You generally take classes because when you take classes, you can get uh, you can get extra money towards your 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 housing and all of those things. So you don't just sit around all summer. And even if you did six years worth of school, man, what the hell is Stetson Bennett doing? Like he's got to be taking like one class a semester. There was like, there was no. Uh, I'm going to own a car dealership in 15 years class. I guess at Georgia. So <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Hey, that's uh, that's impressive. Supposedly he was majoring in learning design and technology. <laughs> I wonder if learning he design, his mom. learning design and technology. Oof, yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna graduate. Did you did you, did you see but the tweet? But did he have from, a flip phone and he's gonna do something in technology? Uh, <laughs> did you see the tweet from Cardell Jones? Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I was just I was just about to say, and I was the 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 Twitter user at CJ12 tweeted out, "Buddy definitely wasn't playing school." No. CJ12 <laughs> is of course former Ohio State quarterback Cardell Jones, and he got a he he tweeted that same thing out when he was not coming out of school. college. I'm not here to play school. I'm, I'm here to play football. <laughs> so clearly, Stetson Bennett wasn't playing school either. He was playing football for the University of Georgia, winning two back-to-back national championships. I just want to see his class schedule for the last I two I want to know what just his the last pan- two years. Here's the thing. At least he's on scholarship, right? At least he's mm-hmm. on full scholarship and his parents aren't footing that bill. Because how irate would you be oh, if your kid yeah. is in school for six years? Mom, Dad, okay, so look. We won two national championships. I've done an outstanding job in football. What's graduation? Yeah, about that. Don't have mm-hmm. a date for that yet, but it's around the corner. And you're still going to be paying for school? <laughs> no way. But in that state, don't you think that he can just work at being Stetson Bennett for all his entire he life and need make a, a ton of money? Yeah. Yeah. The, I, the best part is the tweet that broke this, there are hundreds of tweets. It's just like, well, you don't need degrees when you, when you got the great deals here at Stetson Bennett Kia of Waycross and Blackshear. It's like there's like 50 tweets of that because everyone's making the same thing. And, and 
I, I just think it's I, again. I want to see his class schedule break down the last two years. You don't this need is a degree to, to be successful in life. Apparently not. I think no. it's a good backup plan. And if anything, you got the degree for free, so why would you not? That's the problem. You've been there for that much time. You can. He should have fallen into a degree. Mm-hmm. That's, what that's what I'm saying. Like, you <laughs> yeah. accidentally take the right like concoction of classes. They're like, hey, by the way, you're graduating with this degree. He wouldn't even know it, but I, I just don't know how the he, math worked out that it didn't even get to that point. He's been taking all electives. His entire. What's wrong with that? Bowling, entirety. tennis. I did. I took basketball. You took basketball as a class? Who yeah, did I? Aced probably that. dominated. Aced that. Dominated. <laughs> did I? Did I? Aced it? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh well, Stetson right. Bennett's a legend, and if he already wasn't, even more so now. Just good for you, buddy. And by the way, I'm sure there's we could probably get some text, Carrie, because there's probably some people in St. Louis who had kids who they paid six years of college for, and they Ooh. weren't on the scholarship. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I might have thrown some people off when I said te- uh, texture number 48 would win the Bud Bash tickets. You did that intentionally. There were a lot more 48s than 44s, which is what Mike wore in 2000 when Will Clark was here. But we did get a winner, and we got a lot of people that texted in 44 as well. Our thanks today to our guest, Panger. was great. Doug Glanville, Mike Claiborne. We uh, thank our producer and audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. What? Pleasure. There you go. Emphasis on the audio. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about that. <laughs> right? Yes. This is a great day. Great, awesome. great Math awesome Tuesday. Boy. It was. Meh. 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 CD. You don't understand pitching, and that's okay. Say that again. <laughs> Say that again? We what? thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Balloon party coming up from 10 to 11, and then BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2 in the fast lane with Anthony and Jamie from 2 to 6 before Lakers Nuggets tonight here on 101 ESPN. We thank that's you right. for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.